I hope everyone is doing well. Um, I'm your host, Nando, and next to me, we have the beautiful Nikki joining us tonight. How are you doing, Nikki? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, you've been really? excited for this one, haven't you? <laughs> I really have, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's going to be a great, we were just having a chat with our guests just now, and already it's been a great conversation, um, you know, but just want to there's quite a few people in the room so if i don't get around to everyone i apologize but just quick shout outs to elizabeth hey abby janet uh michelle nick pam nick again well nick saying hello thank you for tuning in um everyone Um, hey tracy um again we apologize if we don't get around to everyone's name um but thank you for joining us if you do have any questions um, for Chris, please put them in the comments and we will try and get through. Um, but just a real quick introduction, not like we really need to do an introduction for Chris, um, but Chris Furman, uh, paranormal researcher, investigator, medium, uh, been in the paranormal field for 50 plus years, experienced supernatural phenomena. Um, he's been on TV shows, Dead Famous, Psychic Kids, Help My House is Haunted, Spook Scotland and Spook Island, which is currently being shown on Discovery Plus. Um, he's been around loads of places across the United States, the UK, uh, Mexico, Jamaica as well. You know, so let's just say he has done quite a bit and we're really excited and really pleased that, you know, we've managed to get Chris to come on and have a chat. So shall we bring him on? Yeah. Let's do it. Good Hi. afternoon, good evening. How are you doing, Chris? Good, Nando, Nikki. How are you guys? I'm really good. well. Uh, really excited to have you on again. Thank you so much for, you know, taking the time out to have a chat with us. And, you know, just pointing out just a few of the things that you've done within the paranormal field. It's been absolutely amazing. We've all, I think everyone in the audience will agree, we've all seen the work that you do. And we're really excited to find out a bit more about Chris behind the camera, away from the TV. Um, but I'm going to let Nikki kick off the questions. So, Nikki, cool. over to you. Hit me. Hit me with it. <laughs> most important question. Yeah. How's Noir doing? Noir's doing great. And thank you for asking. Uh, obviously, that was a challenge this year. For those that don't know, uh, my cat Noir has been my buddy, always by my side, ever since I rescued him in Las Vegas. Um, off the streets. He was on the streets with two other cats, and I, I brought him home with me. Um, he is a black Maine Coon. Uh, he started having 
his heart would pause anywhere from eight to 14 seconds, causing him to collapse certain heart arrhythmia issue. And because, yeah, it was heartbreaking. He was on medication for over six months. That was helping it and correcting it, making the collapses very less frequent. Then it stopped working. And the only option was to put him down or get a pacemaker, but I did not have the money for a pacemaker. I mean, you're looking at nine grand. <laughs> it's like, <Wow. laughs> so what happened is, uh, you know, I had to make a decision and uh, it was tough. I mean, I was devastated and I had all these events going on every weekend and I was going to Indiana. And even though he was collapsing, I put him in my room and everything. And I said, you know what? I, I, I was on the way to go put him down after getting a second opinion with the cardiologist. And I'm like, I can't, something's telling me not to. So I went and did ghost hunts with like a hundred people at Indiana sanatorium. And on the way home, I said to the universe, I said, all right, I got to make this decision by tomorrow, Monday. Right. So I said to the universe, I said, listen, I know how this works. You know, when we surrender and we, we seek, we find. So I'm saying to you, I said, uh, if I need to put him down, then let me see a license plate or a sign that says noir. Okay. Well, I never saw a license plate that said noir. What ended up happening was at first I see this billboard of a hospital and says, we fight to keep your loved ones alive. And I'm like, oh, you know, I wish I could fight for noir, you know, but there's nothing I can really do. Then uh, we stopped at this stop place because uh, my buddy Alex had to use the bathroom and I went to the vending machine, got some gummy bears and, <laughs> and I get change. Just one quarter comes out and I look at the quarter because earlier that day we had something paranormal that happened with the quarter that just appeared out of nowhere in front of Alex and it had his birth date on it. And it was just extraordinary, right? So I decided to look at it and I see a drummer on there, military drummer. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. You know, I've heard drummers when we were in Ireland and, and other stuff we've caught, we've heard direct voice phenomenon caught on recording. So it's kind of interesting. Well, I get home, Noir's there, you know, he's still collapsing everything, but I'm hugging him, I'm unpacking. And all of a sudden I see this quarter in the middle of the floor. I'm like, wait a minute. And I pick it up and it's another quarter with the drummer. And I go, wait a minute. I know I put the quarter in the change holder in my car and it was still there, but another one just appeared with the drummer. I'm like, all right, that's three different signs possibly. So I look it up. Drummers would drum during battles and wars to inspire their soldiers to keep fighting. Yeah. And right then I'm like, I have to fight for noir. I have to do this, you know? So I remember calling my mom. I said, mom, I'm going to get the pacemaker. She was, but you don't have the money. I said, I don't know. I know I don't. I'm just, the universe is going to take care of this. I'm out. I got to do this. I don't care what it is. And uh, so some friends says, why don't you do it? I hate to do that, you know, but I did. And in 24 hours, raising the money. Wow. Well, I owe it to everybody that did this because he's alive today because of that. He's had no collapses since. Um, <sighs> Uh, the pacemaker is keeping him functioning. Now he's, he's continues to lose weight, which is an issue. He's down to like 9.8 pounds. He used to be 23, just so you know, in 2021, he was 23 and he went down to 18 uh, before surgery is 11.2. And after surgery, 10.7, now he's down to 9.9, but you know, he's still with us and uh, he still plays. He still eats. He still, he sat on the table with me all night last night, wanting attention. Like he always has when we work, he's the regular noir. So uh, I owe it to everybody that that helped out to save him. So oh, that's amazing. They, they, they do become like a family member, don't they? Oh, pet, okay. so I've had cats. I've had cats my whole life. I have four of them, and and they are like my children. They are my friends, and everybody, all my friends that you know, some that never liked cats, says, "Dude, your cats are amazing." I said, "I know," because mm -hmm. when you give them attention, you treat them a certain way. Any type of pet will become that addition to the family. It's just the way you treat them.
So, so thank you. Wow. Well, bless him. Lisa, Lisa's doing well. That's absolutely great news. And uh, Elizabeth as well, she's just said that's great news as well. So, well, here's the thing to tell people too, is that other cats I've had to put to sleep, I've had paranormal experiences with them after they died. And not only that, I've, I felt like Tigger, I put him to sleep. I felt his soul go out of it. And all of a sudden this man appears in the room and, and takes my cat. What are you doing? He's, he was shocked. I could see him. He says, well, I take care of all the animals here at the vet when they go. So they're not alone until they come for them. I'm like, well, you better not hurt my cat or anything. My mom's like, who are you talking to? I said, there's this man standing right here in front of him holding my cat. And then when we put my mom's cat to sleep, Hobo, I did a prayer and I went with my stepdad and I'm saying, God, will you please send an angel, not this guy that just shows up out of the vet, right? Please send an angel to take Hobo directly to heaven. And as I'm sitting there and the doctor comes in about to inject him, all right, I'm looking over to the left and I see this angel appear. Eyes were pure white energy, blonde golden face and hair and in a pearlescent white robe and probably would have been maybe about six, seven feet tall. And I'm looking at him and I'm looking down and I'm looking, nobody else sees him. And I'm like, oh my God. And I, and I say, because I know everything's telepathic, I said, are you here because of Hobo? Nods his head. Doesn't say anything, just nods his head. So all of a sudden when the doctor injects him, Hobo disappears. I mean, not, well, I shouldn't say disappear. Hobo's dead, you could tell, right? The doctor's like, all of a sudden I see this gray appear. I look up and I see Hobo, you know, cradled in the angel's arms looking up. And I'm like, holy cow. So, and the doctor's like, um, I guess the doctor, he's gone. He says, yeah, but let me check. He's got the stethoscope. I said, no doc, he's gone. I'm looking at the angel. And I said, thank you. The angel does this, looks up, goes in a beam of light and completely gone. When we got home, I said, mom, you're not going to believe what I just saw. You need to hear this. This is incredible. And I told her, and she's like, well, I hope so. I go, hope so, mom, I'm telling you, this is what I saw. If it, if it didn't happen, you know, I wouldn't be talking about this. I'm telling you, this is what happened. And so to have these slight encounters dealing with this, and then another cat felt this consciousness says, thank you, Chris, I go now is I'm going to say this to everybody. Every pet, every animal, and every organism is a, a fraction from the creator, from same thing as us, from consciousness. So every single organism, every animal has the same exact consciousness we do. And I know it might be hard for people to believe, but we all come from the source. We come from infinite intelligence. So infinite intelligence has spread it out across the cosmos to have all these other experiences through many different types of living entities, such as us. So your dogs, your cats are just as intelligent, have the same soul and consciousness as you do, but they are a variation created by the creator. So when you are hugging your dog, cat, or any pet, you can say, I love you to the creator because the creator is in that. And it's got its own individual personality of free will. So that's what I've learned. Like, holy cow, all animals and species are just as significant as us because they have the same exact intelligence and free will that we were given. They're just in a different vessel. So for me, it's like, you know, the most important thing is trying to help and save animals because not people don't understand that part. Hmm. That's amazing. Absolutely. And with, with regards to, you know, going into, you know, what you're saying about the spiritual side of things and the paranormal, how did that all begin for you? Like, you know, where, where was the starting point? Was it at a young age or later? Yeah, on? it was, it was various things that occurred that some stuff I just felt was normal. Didn't really realize it was bizarre out of the ordinary. My mom had a sixth sense in ESP. Okay. So she could have dreams or premonitions that would come true. My great grandma, which I found out later when I was about eight, nine years old, she saw ghosts when she, you know, um, my grandma did not like to talk about it. But then as I got older, and especially five years before my dad died, he saw them too. He saw ghosts. 
but he chose to ignore them because to him, it was like, they're just people. And I just don't have time for that. You're the one that he always said, you're the one that had the problem with them. I go, I had a problem with them. He goes, yeah, because you were always interacting with them. Me, I just ignored him. I said, oh my God, dad. So the fact is, is that going back to my childhood, I have my earliest memories. Like I did a, people are always asking me, what's your earliest experience? I'm like, Jesus Christ. You know, it's like, holy cow. So I did a podcast, uh, cause I do spirit talk in January, 2019. I talk about my three earliest encounters. One is I was only a year and a half years old. Okay. I remember I was in a crib and I remember I was outside a crib and I'm following this light. I remember bits and pieces of it. My mom was shocked that I remember this because she does remember when she had this terrible feeling, kept calling babysitter that something was wrong. And uh, then the baby said, yeah, Chris is gone, disappeared. So as, as a year and a half, when we lived in Long Island, uh, only two blocks away, two, three blocks away was the, 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 the ocean, the lake or whatever it was in Long Island. And uh, I was sitting on the beach in my diapers. And the question is, how did I get there? Right. And a neighbor walking his dog saw me sitting there. And I remember looking up the dog coming and I don't remember too much except being right by the stairs. My parents come back home and they, you know, he delivers them to me and I go back upstairs. But I do remember the white light following the white light and all these voices. And that I remember going towards the door and then they disappeared. And then I remember sitting there and watching them take off by the, this, this big star. It was like a star and it was very vertical, like a slit. And I remember there's people inside it. And I just remember it taking off right by the water, watching it glisten across the water as it just vanished. And I was like, like, don't go. Cause I just thought it was so cool. So that was my earliest experience, you know? And then the other one was when I was three years old, uh, three, four. And I had a friend named chip. My mom says an imaginary friend, but he wasn't imaginary. I remember him. I remember playing and I remember him telling me really weird things. And I remember him introducing me to these <coughs> other kids. There's probably about 10 or 12 other kids that were various ages, anywhere between five to maybe 10, 11 years old. And he says, I want you to meet these kids. I said, well, I can't go across the parking lot. You know, my mom's telling me I can't. This is when we lived in Salt Lake City. My dad played professional hockey. So we lived in various cities during the hockey season. And we always came back to Chicago. But uh, so I followed him. I said, my mom's going to get mad. She's like, don't worry. You're with me. Everything's going to be fine. So we go underneath these underground tunnels because they're going to be building another complex there. So they already started building the basement tunnel areas. So we're crawling around there. And all of a sudden, all these kids appear. They're like, oh, my God, you can see us. Like, of course I can see you, right? So, hey, let's play a game of hide and seek. So we play hide and seek, and they're quickly disappearing. Like, you go to a dead end, and they're gone. Like, how'd they do that? I didn't even know, right? Well, I realized, obviously, years later, that these were all ghosts of kids that had died. And he wanted me to meet them because there was a really bad man that lived in the complex that had something to do with this. And he was trying to warn me because this bad man started babysitting me. And they were afraid something like was going to happen to me. And uh, so that was like one of those things where something's trying to warn you, trying to save you. And I remember, um, I remember I once this guy took me uh, to a movie and stuff like that. Uh, but I remember one time my parents arguing because they both had to work and I'm watching the beast from 20,000 fathoms on the TV. I remember this. We're in the kitchen. I'm watching this and they're arguing like, who's going to watch? Cause I can't watch it. You can't watch it. Well, I got to work. We got to, we can't find a bit. I said, we'll just get, what's his name? The old man who goes, Oh no, no. My dad says he's gone. He's, he's gone away. Like, what do you mean he's gone away? He's gone away for a long time. What does that mean? You know, I never got to ask my dad about that because he passed away in 2009. But when you say someone's gone away for a long time, that means they went to jail for something. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, is that, yeah, when you're saying about a long yeah. time, it's usually. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. And here's the cool thing is as I got older, and of course, when we got into ITC, spirit boxes and other devices, I've, you know, where I remember it was Eastern State Penitentiary. I said, Are there any spirits that want to talk to us? And all of a sudden, the spirit says, yes, Chris. I said, yeah, what? Who? Chip says, hi. 
Oh, wow. Everybody's thinking, oh, Chip Coffee? No, it's not Chip Coffee. This is the, the ghost that I had. His name was Chip when I was a little kid. I'm like, holy cow. So there are been a couple instances through ITC I've spoken to him. So, you know, it's just, it's crazy. It's just wild stuff. That's amazing. <coughs> Chris, do you think that um, everyone is born with an ability, but for some, they <clears throat> keep it and for others, they don't. It kind of drifts off. Okay. You know, when, do you believe that every child is born with uh, an ability as such of being able to see? Every species, every person on this planet comes from infinite intelligence and comes from the spirit realm. In the spirit realm, we don't speak. We all think and communicate through thought. So everything is open, all consciousness. So we would call that psychic abilities, like how are you reading my mind? How did you know this? Well, it's just normal for us to communicate that way on the other side. Everybody does that, all spirits, okay? And like when I tell people when you go somewhere, be careful what you're thinking because they know what you're thinking. You know, we, we have negative entities going, what is their fear? Because they're trying to figure out our fear, read our minds, right? And we know this in EVP and ITC. A lot of times we're formulating a question in our head before we ask it and they answer it before we even ask it, okay? That's because you've already projected the question to them through telepathy, thought transference, and they've heard it, read it, picked it up, and they're responding before you even ask it. So we know this. So everybody has this capability. Not everybody is aware of it. Not everybody, not everybody's in tune with it. People can be born with that heightened sense. People can have a traumatic experience that activates it. People can learn to train parts of their brain to be more connective to this ether and this consciousness. So there's various ways. And sometimes people just all of a sudden, boom, it turns on, you know. So yeah, everybody has it, but not everybody uses it or knows how to or gets to that degree of acceleration of that consciousness within this life. So so I, I, I get what you're saying there. So why do you think people are so quick? Like, you know, you're, you're doing a genuine thing with the way you do it. And as you were saying in the background, you want to give back. You, you yeah. That's your thought process. Why do you think people don't believe in it so much? Why do you think people are quite quick to, you know, say fake, fake, mediums are fake, this is fake? Why do you think it that has that sort of perception? Because they don't believe. And usually there's something behind that belief, something that's anger, something they went through as a child, whatever it is. I've always noticed when you tend to see out of the blue a comment, oh, you're fake. I said, okay, why am I fake? Because you are, because I am. Okay, you don't know me. You don't know my background. Why am I fake? Because ghosts aren't real. Why are they not real? Okay, what do you think happens when you die? So then you start breaking it down. Really has nothing to do with me, but because of what I believe and what I do, I must be fake because they don't believe that. So now you get down to the root of the problem is they don't believe that. So what you're saying is, it was, well, how come I don't see ghosts? Well, go into the spectrum. You only see 10% electromagnetic field, which is called the visual light spectrum. There's 90% you don't see. If you don't believe me, go Look it up yourself. Talk to scientists and engineers about that. All right. Then get back to me. Now you're telling me they don't exist because you've never seen one, but you only see 10% of electromagnetic spectrum, 90% you don't see. So who's being illogical? Who's being ignorant? Okay. <clears throat> now there's people all over the world and people going back thousands of years. Okay. Every culture society has a ghost experience or something that's been passed down of them seeing it. Even very famous people, historical leaders have seen ghosts, all right? Mm -hmm. 
even religious icons have talked about ghosts. But you and other people like you say they don't exist. Why? Because you've never had an experience. That's it. Have you ever scored a touchdown, ran over six people? I have. Have you ever done this? No, you haven't. So does that mean it doesn't exist? I said, the fact of the matter is, is that it's really arrogant and, and you know, and ignorant to say, no, there's no such thing. It's fake. It's because when you get to the bottom of the root of it with some of these individuals is they've been really hurt or taken advantage of at some point of their life. So because they don't believe in something, they think other people are taking advantage of other people. So that affects them, their self-confidence, the, who they are, their identity, because they were never able to stand up to it when they were younger. And in some of these cases, that's why they're lashing out because they're hurting inside. I've spoken to some of these people and they've revealed that. And plus, you know, I've been a spiritual counselor for over 17 years. I have my own private practice. So, I mean, I went to school, I studied art because I'm an artist and also psychology. So when I got out of school, I'm like, I don't know if I want to be a psychologist because it's like, I'm going to absorb and hang, hang on to all these emotions because I was immature at that point in my life. I didn't realize that it doesn't represent you. You don't have to hold on to that. Dead Famous really taught me how to some of these traumatic deaths and everything they went through to, to release it and not let it be a part of me. And then when people start coming to you, I set up my own practice back in 2006. So the thing is, is that you learn how it's all part of the human process, no matter what the emotions are. It's all part of the collective conscious of the creator to experience through us so you don't take it personal. So, But here's the beautiful thing, too, which I've learned over the last decade. It's okay if there are people like this that don't believe and that are skeptical, no matter how diehard they are. You want to know why? Because the creator is experiencing that through them. So the creator created all of us to have an experience, give us free will to allow us to believe and do whatever we want so that the creator can experience through us without manipulating where it takes you. So if you don't believe in the creator, the creator is getting to experience what it's like for not to be believed in. And when I, when I learned all that, I was like, holy cow. So get mad at somebody because they're an atheist or this and that and they don't believe. Love them because the creator through them has experienced the opposite. So what can I learn from this person? What can I bring out the best? Or what can I contribute to them or give to them in their life that would expand their consciousness so it works that way? But then, you know, some people are assholes and you're going to deal with that. All right. And I'm going to tell you, there are some people that are assholes. There are people that are assholes that don't believe in. There are people that are in the paranormal that are assholes too. It's going to be, it doesn't matter who, what, what genre. There's attorneys that are assholes, attorneys that aren't. There's, you know, garbage men that are assholes. And you saw what I'm saying is that it's not just, you know, People in this are like that because I know some skeptics and they're incredible people. We've had amazing conversations, right? You're like, well, you know, regardless of this and that, you know, I, I still don't believe. I said, hey, if you feel comfortable not believing, it's your prerogative, my prerogative, right? So, you know, you realize that the creator's experiencing it through all of us. I used to take it personal, like when I was doing Dead Famous, they're like, what the hell are you talking yeah. about? You know, because this is what I went through as a kid and I know that. And it's like, whoa, Chris, grow up. Wait a minute. Not everybody went through, not everybody understands what you went through. Not everybody's, you know, just because you went through some hard times growing up because people didn't believe you doesn't mean you have to start fighting everybody again. You know, so I realized, whoa, whoa, you know, take yourself from their perspective. Why are they thinking that way? Get to learn about them why they're thinking that way. And that's what I tell people to do, you know, like there that was someone that posted. The thing is, like, if we talk about spooked Ireland is, is I'm blown away. And I was telling Ryan, I said, you know what? There's hardly been any negative feedback on spooked Ireland. Okay. 
I've seen nothing except maybe three or four negative responses the very first episode or second episode. And I recognize those names. They were saying the same things back in Help My House is Haunted and Dead Famous Days. So I see there's always people going to be that way. And this one person had said, and, and I just think it's hilarious. She posted, um, because I remember I got in it with her years ago and Help My House is Haunted tried to understand her. I even allowed her to follow me and I followed her. And then I just, okay, she's always negative about everything. She goes, oh my God, after five minutes of watching the first episode, I had to turn it off because I can't stand this guy. He's the biggest, fakest person in the whole world. And I'm like, wow, that's extreme. I said, so does this mean you're never going to take me out to dinner? <laughs> <laughs> and they just did a laugh thing after it. I'm like, you know what? There's going to be people that are going to be negative like that. You know, there's nothing you could do. I said, should I get my mom talk to him? Like, do you want to talk to my mom, my friends or anything? They'll tell you growing up. I said, but what's the point? There's people are just going to be that way no matter what. And reality is it really has nothing to do with who you are as a person. It has to do with just something you're doing affects them in a negative way that they're not able to communicate it. And it's just like, you know what? Just send them praise and, and love. And, you know, even one person during Help My House, I said, oh, I love you anyway. I love you. You know, well, I hate you. I said, okay, but I love you because I'm sure that there's a reason why you hate. And if I knew what the hate was, we both could have a conversation about it and I could help you heal. <laughs> right? Wow. It's so. a, it a, a good attitude to have, but it's got to be hard at the same time. It's got to like wear at you a little bit when you get those sort of negative remarks where you're just trying to be you and do what you want to do. It's still got to be hard at the same time. Or have you completely um, become resilient from it all? Yeah, I, I know. Well, I see other people sometimes having a hard time with it too. Um, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I will be defensive and stand up for something that I know is right. Cause my dad raised me that if you're going to stand up to something or fight something over somebody, you better make sure you're hundred percent right. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's just the way I was raised. But in the most time I look at, it, I go, yeah, I'll be like, why? You know, I, I might, some people say, don't even, I don't respond like Barry guys. Like I don't respond to any of those people. I said, why, why not? You know, they're, they're actually watching the show. They're asking you a question. They may not believe whatever else. So sometimes I'll engage, you know, and even the network tells us do not engage with these people, you know, but like I said, I'm shocked. There's hardly been any negativity regarding this season. I'm just, I'm shocked. There was a first episode cause I channeled uh, a few people said that I said, did you even pay attention to before and after on the ghost tube, what it was saying? Because I have the entire clip. Okay. And it, it was saying that, the spirits were saying he's a medium. I want to speak through him. Right. And then all of a sudden they start channeling through me. And even when it's channeling through me, if you listen to what's coming through the ghost tube, it's complimenting what's happening to me. And at yeah. the end, when I talked to this man and all these other spirits that wanted with the loved ones, I said, listen, we're gonna do everything we can to help you and reunite you with them. You hear it say, we know. Okay. They, the title says, I know, but it says, we know. So there's, so they were just speaking through me. And I just said, I now understand you. I got the emotional of what you're looking for. We're going to try to help you. And it says, we know there's confirmation, but people aren't paying attention to that confirmation because they don't believe. But like I say to people, do you believe you have a soul? And for those that say, yes, do you believe your soul's occupying your body for this period of time while you're here? Yes. So then why don't you believe another soul can come in for a brief moment through possession attachment or through channeling for a brief moment because you're doing that right now. Okay. And I understand there's a lot of skepticism with that. I totally understand. Okay. I've seen some people and I just put my hands going, Oh my God, you know, Oh my God. So for me, it's like, you know, I want to have the devices. I want to have the technology there to validate. And plus so that I know I'm not getting schizophrenic or getting crazy. Right. Is that they're there. Right. So, 
you know, that was only negative. I think that first episode. And like I had said to the other producers, I'm like, guys, why did, why did you set this up to air this episode first? Should have been the middle of the season or the end of the season, whatever, you know, but it actually went over very well, you know, and, and people didn't have that criticism. Like I said, there's only like three people. So I was shocked. I was really shocked. But the thing is, is that we don't investigate. We don't go on TV just to impress people. And I try to tell people that is like, you are here to do what you're good at for them to document it and to find ways in the paranormal that you can contribute and show people and educate them what you're coming in contact with or what you're doing. Like you'll see this and I'm so impressed with him, right? Is look at Ryan from season one to season two. Yeah. Season one was the first time he was on TV. Right. He's working with me. And then Gail, Gail and I were the dominant personalities on the show because we've worked together before. Right. In this season. But when I watched the first season, I said, God, you know, there's not enough of, of Ryan and Evelyn and other people kind of contributing because I watch every episode and I critique it and I write it down. And because I used mm-hmm. to be a coach of sports, we used to watch game films and I look at it the same mentality. I said, OK, what needed to be done better to explain this or to do that? Did the same thing during Dead Feathers to improve myself, but also to improve the program to make sure that we are validating and we are explaining. Because sometimes you see some shows, they talk about this and you don't hear it again. Right. It's like, well, what's the point? You build up to that and you never resolve it, never hear about it. There's got to be a connection to that or an understanding. So case in point is. Um, watching the show first season, the second season, I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. And I shared it with the other producers is Ryan, every time you get a piece of equipment, explain the equipment, say what it is, what it does, why you're using it, what you think about it. If you've ever had experiences before about it, you know, and if something happens, how are you feeling? What do you think? And everything. And you see him just take control this season and it's phenomenal, you know? And, and I even told him, I said, dude, I'm so proud of you. You know, it's just, I, I watch cause I got to see the rough cuts and everything. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know this went on. I didn't know he did this. I didn't know. I'm like, holy cow. You know, he says, well, I feel a lot more comfortable now and everything. I said, totally understand. And, and, you know, he, he knows to just completely black out the cameras and just do what you do. Right. And, uh, he, he's great. He's great in the season. And, uh, that's the thing is like, I told him Conch, contribute, you can contribute because you know, this equipment, cause you use it all the time. You use it out in the field. All right. Explain that to the people in the room, explain that to the viewers. Cause sometimes they don't know what it is and you'll see just the scientific data and the stuff he describes. And I watch this going with a smile on my face going, yes, you know, that's wow. part of the contribution is he's yeah. contributing, right? Both him and I are contributing to this as much as we can. Even Evelyn contributes with stuff that she knows. So that's the thing is people just don't want to watch people go, Oh, wow. I got an EVP. That's cool. Let's go see what else is over here. No, explain it. Why is it a wow? Why is it cool? Why is it significant? That's what you need to do. You know, I've been doing this long enough to know, you know, people want to know. And it's good that verification of what you're getting and what's, you know, EVPs or the the SLS camera is picking up exactly what you're getting as well. So that verification works brilliantly. Like Ryan, like I was a little skeptical of the the SLS app, okay? Because I've seen some people use it with me when we've done ghosts. Because I do a lot of paranormal events all over Chicago and I'll ghost hunt and stuff like that. Plus my house is haunted. So I always test the equipment out in the field. And then I have a lot of my followers and people that always go to my events. They bring new equipment and apps and stuff and we test it. I said, oh, anybody got anything new? You guys, all right, let's test it. So we do it. So if it works and it's significant, we cross-reference it too. We have Spirit Box, EVP, and an app. And I've had all three of them say the same exact thing, which is extraordinary. So I said, oh my, like the ghost tube did that. 
And I was like, I got to use this season two, right? This is just, and you see how remarkable, but I can, I can go in my house and it's ghosts and nothing happens. I might say one or two words and that's it. But you go to these places where no one's investigated before, like we did, which is so much better than going to a place where people have been all the time, unless they're highly active is spirits come out and talk to you. And they were doing that with the ghost, which is extraordinary. So I went off on a tangent, but the fact of the matter is, is that using these devices, we're contributing. I've always been a fan of ITC. You talk about ITC and to prove it, I, you know, look at the poster behind here. This is my favorite poster. All right. It's the amazing world of psychic phenomenon. Now imagine this. Okay. Cause this is the reality. You're growing up in a haunted house, living in Hoffman States park lane. Some of the kids in the black believe you, most of them don't. Okay. And you get teased about it, but you have ghosts happening all the time. We see this commercial for this back in 1976. You can go to YouTube and find it. It's on YouTube, I think. Is 1976, I see this commercial, you know, this Saturday on ABC, whatever. Ghosts are real. What? What? And you see this documentary. They're saying ghosts are real. And we're going to prove it with people all over the world that are showing their contributions or, or the, the evidence they have to support. I'm so like, oh. <gasps> Mom, we got to wait. Oh, it's way past your bedtime. It's eight o'clock at night. You know, you go to bed early because, you know, I'm like, oh, please, I got to watch. So my mom and I watched it. They, they show a haunted house with a mother and child. And they're hearing the moaning and everything, which we heard. Like, oh, my God, just like us. But then they show these scientists talking about EVP and they're capturing ghost voices on reel to reel recorders and cassette recorders at graveyards. Mom, I got to get a reel to reel recorder so I can talk to the spirits in the house. Week later, my dad comes home with a reel to reel. So I captured my first EVP, 1976, on a reel-to-reel -reel, as I set it beside the Ouija board, and it spoke. Then when I went to go visit my grandma in, in 78, uh, my great-grandpa, my great-grandma had died. And so we're gonna, my grandma says, we're going to go visit your great-grandma's grave, <gasps> just like on the show. So I brought my boombox cassette recorder, and I captured EVPs, which I do have. I still have the cassette. Oh I captured God. that. And so you have my voice as a kid, you know, supernatural spirits, take one, take two. Cause I didn't know how to ask questions. So I would do like a reporter, like here we are, uh, supernatural spirits, take one, nothing supernatural spirits, take two. <gasps> There's an EVP, right? So I've been doing that since 76. So for me, I've always realized that back then I proved it to kids in the neighborhood and kids would freak out and stuff. And parents say, or kids scaring our kids and stuff. But the fact of the matter was, I was able to capture their voices, which not only validated what I was experiencing, but validated to other people. That's why you see me as a medium, as a paranormal investigator, is I'm huge into ITC, okay? Because it goes back to my childhood, and I know how significant it is. And that's why yeah. you see, especially this season, is you know, apps, Frank's box, EVP, we're using everything. We're throwing it at the gambit. But as you see how it works, the conversation... What I'm picking up as a psychic, they're validating on the ITC. And then when I'm missing, I ask them that question. Then they validate it and they tell us, and now we know. So now we're putting together the whole scenario, the narrative of what's going on along with the history and whether it matches or it's, it's, it's contrasting. And then we can come to a resolution at the end. And it's brilliant. You know, it's taken me years to get people to realize this. I mean, of course, we did this and Help My House is Haunted. And I keep touch with Barry Guy all the time, talk to him all the time, talk to Jane once in a while. They're incredible investigators and I'm friends with them. They're my colleagues, right? So we talk about, you know, the new technology. We talk about the stuff coming out. Like I told him, go try this, Barry. Barry didn't like the apps a couple of years ago. I said, Barry, he's like, nah, Chris, I'm, I'm telling you, Barry, there's something to it. Rule out the false positives. I'm telling you. And he's like, holy cow, you're right. So you see them using it a lot, right? Yeah, but that's what yeah. you do in the paranormal. You share that. But then you have some people in the paranormal, 
You can't use a spirit box on your TV show. You can't do this. So what are you doing? Right? You don't own any of this. And that's right. the pro, but that is the mentality that science has suffered as well is some science will not allow certain things to be exposed to the public. And some people will try to dominate and put under people under the bus because they want to be the one that discovered or found this. Same thing happens in the paranormal, a certain technology and stuff like that. It's like, why? Come on. We're supposed to expand our consciousness and all contribute together. But not everybody has that team mentality. I do because I come from an athletic background. My dad played professional hockey. I played sports 15 years. You know, I coach teams to championships. I know how important it is that you all work together. It gets frustrated when you have someone that doesn't want to work with you, right? But you have, you know, Barry was a great team person. Jane was a great team person, you know, and Ryan's amazing team person. So it's like having these people around you, you trust them, they trust you. So, you know, they're going to do their job. You're going to do your job. What can you do together? And the results you get, as you see in this season is phenomenal, phenomenal. Just to, you know, we, we know about ITC apps. There's a lot of different opinions um, about using them, the way yep. they're, yep. you know, the way the technology is built. But stepping away from that, what I want to know, like skeptics and like going down the scientific route, there's people that don't believe in the paranormal, but they go down the scientific route. And they say, when you're going into Horton locations, you've got to bear in mind the kind of conditions that they're in. You know, some of the places that we, we look, we investigate are really old, there's mold, and they're saying that the mold molecules can actually affect the way the brain works. Do you believe that could be a case when we're going into these locations? So we yeah, think but what we're it, seeing well, stuff. But yeah, no, the fact of the matter is yes, mold can, because I know some friends that do mediation work and remediation and dealing with mold, how dangerous it is over long term. It doesn't happen automatically, you know. But the, the fact, the fact is that let's talk about collective experiences. And we talk about ITC. If a voice comes through the spirit box or on a recorder and several people hear it, it has nothing to do with mold because then you bring it on a, an audio Adobe audition or an audacity and you pull it up, there's validation. You talk to a sound, sound engineer. He goes, no, there's a response right there. So what does that have to do with mold? Yeah. Nothing. You know, and, and the thing is, I remember the skeptics back in, back in the two thousands, they used to say, oh, EVPs or ray radio waves or pareidolia, this and that. Well, you know what? In my decades, decades of doing ITC, I've never captured an EVP of Madonna or an ACDC song <laughs> or, or the weather of a ghost saying, it's partly cloudy, Tay, with a chance of rain. <laughs> Thanks, ghost, for letting me know. That's bullshit. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm going to say bullshit. That's the biggest <laughs> bullshit skeptic thing I've ever heard. It, they need to have an excuse for stuff. It's like, come on. We have sound engineers that can validate there's voices there. Okay. Now we do know, we do know this. And a perfect example is a politician just made a comment about another politician and you see certain news sources and she says something and you see statements quoting her incorrectly. They yeah. said, uh, he's dumb. And then everybody else is saying he's scum. Well, she's actually saying scum, but some news outlets misinterpreted what she's saying and put dumb. But that's not an EVP. That's an actual person. And that happens all the time. So we can take actual recordings of people in a room where we record them in a room from a distance and have people analyze and try to figure out what they're saying. And they're all going to, a lot of people are going to get it wrong. Okay. Does it mean that that person was actually there? They're not talking. No, we can have an actual transcript of what they said and they can validate what they said. So it would show the people that are incorrect. And if we look at those people that are incorrect, what's going on. And I know this from having a brain injury back in 2010, or 2009 from a car accident is that their brain frequencies are different under amplification, over amplification in various parts of the hemispheres. You get an EEG done and um, neurologists know this 
neuroscientists that brains, brain patterns are all different. They have over a thousand differences of different categories and they've narrowed it down between 10 to 30 now. They used to have a hundred, but that was still difficult. Now bring out 10 to 30. But even within those 10 to 30, there can be so many different variations. What that means is say the three of us go into a room and we all hear something different. If we did an EEG done, it would tell in the EEG that not your brain frequency is slightly higher in one level and mine's lower. Nikki, yours is in between. And then some of our hemispheres are going to be super high and super low. Like for example, my e, I had an EEG done, okay? And in the EEG, it shows between 10 to 14 hertz are over amplified, okay? Now remember, 10 to 14 hertz is below the 20 hertz that we hear. But a part of my brain is super amplified, meaning that the smallest noises, and that's why I'm a light sleeper, any little noise, my, my next door neighbor's car muffler wakes me up every morning at five in the morning and it's 620, right? Drives me crazy because I detect little frequencies. Like we can do an EVP session, play back the audio. Majority of the people don't hear anything. I said, nope, there's something right there. And I've done this with Gary Galka. He's like, holy cow, you can hear this. I said, yes, because now I know why scientifically 10 to 14 Hertz, but I will go into the audition and I will amplify that area. And there it is because I amplified it. Now everybody else can hear it, but nobody else could, but I was able to detect that slight little frequency, very similar to dogs here below 20 Hertz because a part of my brain is overamplified. Why is it overamplified? I don't know. But even these neuroscientists are saying that, you know, they're fascinated about stuff in the paranormal that they believe that people are hearing stuff because parts of the brain is amplified to hear that frequency while other people don't because it's not. That has nothing to do with pareidolia. It has to do with the brain frequencies. And that's what makes me so mad. Oh, it's pareidolia, 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 but EVP. <laughs> These skeptics don't know what they're talking about. Can it be pareidolia where people have something on their mind and they play it one day and they think it's this and the next day they think it's something else? Absolutely. We know that. Okay. It's interpretation because why? Because your brain frequency that day is going to be different the next day, depending upon cervical issues and neurological issues or stuff you're thinking about that throws the brain frequency slightly off. We know this in sports, getting into the zone and being totally in the zone and being unstoppable, right? Because you get your brain there. So it has to do with the brain frequencies. And that's the issue. And in, in working with parapsychologists and even some psychologists, and you look at, uh, oh God, I forgot his name at the moment. But he's done spirit release. And big thing in the UK is where 80% of people's psychological disorders have had certain entity spirit attachments. And they have done studies on this, two, 3,000 studies. And they've worked with people removing the spirits. And then they're able to tackle some of these psychological issues or other issues they're dealing with, right? Well, when you hear people hearing voices, right? And I've done this, okay? I've had clients, they hear voices. You're going to have people that hear voices because, yes, they have psychological issues. They have fragmentation in the brain, trauma, whatever it is. Some of them, they're actually hearing voices. How do we test this? EVP. So if they say they're hearing voices, we take out the recorders. We tell the spirits that are there talking to them, what are you trying to tell them? We've captured it. And we play it back, and there it is. They're like, well, how come I can hear this and you can't? goes to the EG, your brain frequency. It knows exactly what your brain frequency is of reception. So it's broadcasting at that reception of frequency, and you're receiving it. Nobody else in the room is. No different than radio, what we do today. You get 100 different channels playing at one time. You tune into just that channel, and you get just that channel. Same thing with the brain. So people need to understand this. Here's your contribution. Start studying this. Start picking on people for pareidolia. Just understand that the brain frequencies are slightly different. Okay. Well, that's amazing answer. Thank you. Uh, Nikki, you got another question for you? Um, <coughs> sorry. Um, you've also, this last this year, you did a pop-up Paracon. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. How did that go? 
it's funny. I just had a conversation with uh, two people that were there because I spoke at a high school this Wednesday and they were at the event, which is they asked me to speak there. But the um, it was because I do these paranormal access events. So a friend of mine is saying, hey, Woodstock Opera House is haunted. I said, well, I've never been there. Let's let's do a ghost hunt there. So I met with the manager. We walked around. I go, God, this would be a great place to do lectures at with this stage. He goes, well, we'd be open to that. I'm like, yeah, it's a lot of work. Put something together. You know, I think you just do the ghost hunt. And I just thought about it. I'm like, you know, there's always been on my bucket list to put together a paranormal event. Let's do it. Well, this was in April, okay, of 2023. And she goes, well, the only date we have available is July 8th. I go, that's in a couple months. So I said, all right. Let's do this. So I looked at the budget, everything. I did a whole spreadsheet of budget, everything, because I had no money to do this. I said, all right, well, we do the ghost hunt, sell 30 tickets. That's going to pay for majority of running this place out. And the rest, I know tickets are going to come in. So we did it. All right. The goal was to have between 200 and 250 people. We had 300. Okay. 300 wow. people showed up, sold out in the vendors within two weeks. The vendors did very well. And what I did coming from an advertising background back in the 90s was, is what really shifted sales was first on promoting the event, promoting the event. I did individual banners for every speaker and the topic they're talking about. Every speaker and even the individuals on the panel. I didn't put the speakers on the panel. I put different people on the panel. So now you have 13 speakers, even though five or six are only going to get on stage. we got the rest are all going to be on this panel. I advertised each person individually, created the banners myself. And then I sent that to them with all the pre-written copies said, here, you send this to all your database and to all your followers. I'm doing the same thing. Now you've got this, you know, pyramid thing with everybody else marketing and advertising. Then all the vendors, the 28 vendors I had, I created a banner for them, the copy, sent it to every one of them saying, please promote this on your social media. So now you have all the vendors promoting, you have all the speakers promoting, their ads to hearing more visibility, right? And it worked. It worked. Um, so the vendors did extremely well because I also scheduled the speakers to have gaps between 30 minutes or more so people could see the speakers and also hit the vendors. But what ended up happening is some people didn't want to see the speakers and there's still the vendors room were pretty busy. Um, but vendors like, oh my God, there's always people in the room, which a lot of conventions and I've done them too. You know, you get that little gap of 20 minutes or even 10 minutes, people come in, buy some stuff and they leave and it's just dead. So the entire day majority 90% of the day is dead. Nobody's coming in. You can't do that for your vendors. So I knowing having done conventions for over 20 years is I scheduled it so that people have time to see the vendors. They have time to see the speakers and you're not too jam packed and it worked. So thank you. you designed all the, um, I designed all the characters, the advertisements, everything, you know, the little character spooky. I call yeah. him spooky. spooky. Yeah. Which I love him. I got, I made t-shirts made sold out of the t-shirts made figures yeah, and just like, you know, because the thing is, when you do brands, okay, because I, I went to school for art, and I was in uh, in advertising back in the 90s, is brands are very important. So I said, I'm going to create a brand for this pop-up Paracon. And the pop-up actually came from the pop Funko figures. Yeah. Of the characters. And I said, wow, they need to be a ghost. So I, I created one of a ghost. If it was a figure, what I would like to see. And I said, oh, this is going to become my icon. Well, then why don't I do, you know, it's a last-minute convention. So it's a pop-up, right? So I'm going to call it pop-up Paracon. And it just worked. And plus the color scheme. And so everybody's always doing black and stuff. No, I want to use cyan, which is a very calm, relaxing color, cyan and white in a little bit of yellow. Those are the colors I'm going to use for this brand, which stands out different from all the black, black, black paranormal conventions with all the black banners. So color scheme is important too, because it affects you psychologically. So, you know, there's all these things behind the scene that went into it. It was a lot of work. It was so much work. And I said, next time, if I do something like this, 
because we're in talks, but we're running into date problems is I'm going to hire someone to do all the vendors, someone to do help with the speakers so that I'm not doing all this because I had to put for like three and a half months. Everything was on the back burner. Like, everything. It's, yeah. It's a lot of work, man. Especially yeah. if you're going to do it within three to four months, you know, you need a year out. Yeah. So no. thanks for asking about that. Yeah. That was, you know, I told my mom it was a success, everything. And, you know, everybody had a great time to have your vendors come up and shake your hand and said, Oh my God, I hope you invite me back next year. I did so well. You did. Okay, good. You know, to hear the vendors say they did very well and all the speakers and say, whoever put this whole thing together, they all did an amazing job. I go, yeah, it was me. You know, and, you know don't get me wrong. Woodstock Opera House, they helped with their security staff and they took all the ticket sales. All the ticket sales went to them. So I didn't have to worry about that, but everything else, you know, I had, I, I did, but it was to see the happiness. And even though I was tired, I was exhausted the whole day, you know, and, but to have everybody come up to give me hugs and thank, I was like, that's what it's all about. I want everybody to have a wonderful time. And that's what I do at my events. Everybody's treated like VIP. Everybody I want to have to have a wonderful, great time because I know what it's like to sit in the back, not having a good time because everybody else is getting all this attention. And for me, it's like, I want everybody to get attention. I want them to all feel a part of this because that's what it is. It's like a big, big fun event that you want to go to. So a lot of my events, like I got one this Saturday, we're doing a, a fire museum that's never been investigated by us before. So it's our first time investigating and it's highly active. So I'm looking forward to that, but it's the last one of the year. So you get people, it becomes family because the same people come and they enjoy themselves because they have this open space to be themselves. And that's mm -hmm. what it's all about. You make it fun. Hey. I'm glad it went down brilliantly. It sounded amazing. Thank you. Um, with, with regards to yourself, Chris, when you're challenging, challenging, um, challenging, Chal challenging. Like, let's go, like, ghost. Come on now. Work. I got you. I got you. We were saying in the background about um, different kind of entities, demons, imps, and things like that. Elementals. What, yeah. Other elemental. How, how are you able to? know what you're dealing with when you're using your abilities is there a certain sense of smell something happens to you how do you pick up what you're dealing with when you go into a location great question growing up as a kid okay growing up as a kid you could i would sense this stuff i would know when something's coming that night before it would even happen i know they're coming tonight right they're going to be here all right oh my god wake up it's here it's in the room right i was able to because i would see them also visually i could see the regular human ghosts and then when I would see these creatures that would come out of the walls or race across the room or these black mass shadows, they would take the form of that. There was also an emotional feeling different to that. Like I felt this heaviness, this evil, this like, oh my God, I feel like I'm sinking, which means my frequency and vibration is sinking into a lower level, all right, of existence. So I was able as a kid to detect the differences. And as I got older, I can tell, oh, it's male, it's female. That's why I say you're, you're female, right? And I see you floating above me and put a recorder. Go, yes, I am. You know, how do you know? Well, you just over periods of time, many years, you learn this, you experience this. And I remember back in 2007, 2008, cause I had met Adam Bly at a Paracon in uh, uh, Penn state. And we, we became really good friends and colleagues. We, we talk about this stuff. He goes, well, you've got discernment of spirit. And I go, what's that? He goes, look in the Bible and it says in the Bible that discernment of spirit in Corinthians you can detect what type of spirit is, whether it's good, bad, male, female, stuff like that. So it is discernment of spirit. You can detect this. And a lot of psychics and mediums and even people that aren't psychic mediums can sometimes feel, I feel like there's a child here or there's something like this. And it's discernment. But 
another thing you have to do with discernment is and I try to tell people is a lot of these hauntings aren't caused by human ghosts. They're caused by other entities. Could be elementals and could be something else. So you have to ask it questions like, who are you? What are you? Are you a human? Yes. Ask it again. Ask it three times. All right. Why is it three times? Three times goes into the Holy Trinity is by three times you are discerning and they have to tell you after, you know, by the third time they have to tell you the truth. If they don't, okay, well, whatever happens to them. But we've had when we've asked the first, second time, then it starts swearing and cursing at us. And then you know it's not who it says it is. It's pretending to be. Because remember, they're in the visual, they're outside the visual spectrum, so we can't see them. So they can be anybody they want to be. You just lie to us, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the, the old thing from Saturday Night Live, whatever it was, the joke they said, the land shark. Boom, 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 boom. Who is it? Pizza. I didn't order a pizza. Uh, telephone company. I didn't have a problem with my telephone company. And it's a land shark because it wants you to open up the door so it'll eat you, right? So it's making up all these stories. You don't know who it is. Same thing it was with some of these spirits. You don't know who you're talking to. So you have to discern and you have to ask the right questions to confirm it. Oh, it's a child. It says it's a child. Well, how do you know it's a child? Ask it again. Ask it again. Then it gets so irritated because you won't believe it. It starts exposing itself. Wow. And do, mentally, does it like dealing with different spirits, entities? It must impact you mentally. So how oh, do God, you yeah. <laughs> how, how do you um, recover yourself, like your energy and things like that? When you uh, it's like tough. That? You go through oppression. There's times you go through depression. Uh, you get these attachments. You have to get rid of them. Um, after the corn exchange, when we did help my house is haunted, which was the first episode, I came home. I had an attachment because you see me collapse. I had an entity attach itself to me, and I was just. I was in a bad place. And I remember calling up Barry guy crying and I'm telling him, dude, I, I can't take it anymore. I can't take it. You know, I don't want to be here. I feel worthless. I feel this. He's like, what are you talking about? You know? And, and so, uh, I said, what can I do? What can I do? Well, I know these entities hate love. They hate, they hate joy. They hate this. So I started, I created this like flamball boogie thing on Instagram, which I only did for a period of time. I made all these funny videos. I said, okay, I'm gonna do humor like Robin Williams. Cause Robin Williams, when he was suffering depression, he would do all this humor. So I'm going to, just so like for like 24 hours, I was making all these comic videos and doing this crazy, funny stuff. It lifted because negativity can't be in this happy, joy, loving, laughful, joyful uh, frequency and vibration. It can't exist in that environment. So it was gone. It was gone. And it's like, and I know when we've talked to spirits and I've been asked the elementals, I said, what do the imps hate? It says they hate, they hate peace, prayer, and love. Those are the three things they hate the most. So peace, prayer, and love. They want you to get frustrated. They want you to get upset. They want you to get depressed. But if you're in total peace, they don't like that. They don't want you to be in peace. They want anxiety. They want distraction, distortion, because they're that type of frequency. They're a distorted frequency of darkness. So joy, you know, laughter, whatever. And so I have four cats, so I'm always giving them love and giving love back. So by expression of love and this and that and taking care of someone and appreciating, that's a positive frequency and vibration. So when you maintain that, it helps. And then you do things, you know, in motion because we're in a physical reality. You do things in motion that brings you joy, endorphins as well to the brain, but brings you that higher frequency of vibration. What's working out, watching a movie that you really like, reading a book that you love, do whatever it is. You know, you express yourself in that way because we're here to create, express, and contribute. Like when I've asked spirit guides, why are we here? He says, well, you're here because the infinite intelligence, the creator put you here with free will, but you're here to create, express, and contribute. By doing these three things, 
you're allowing the creator to experience through you. Plus you're evolving spiritually to a heightened sense of awareness of experiencing all possibilities with the creator, create, express, and contribute people that are depressed or are pressed are not able to create, express, or contribute, whether it's mentally, they're not doing it. Something's preventing them from not doing it, or someone else is not allowing them to do it. Think about it. The biggest frustration, if you're trying to create something, someone tells you can't, doesn't allow you to, you get frustrated and get her upset. Mm. Right. And if you're not contributing something, how do you feel you're a part of something? So by creating, contributing, and expressing yourself, people say, you know, I can't take this anymore. Family relationship problems because the person expressing themselves feels like they're not being listened to. And the person can't express themselves because someone constantly cuts them off or something else causes a dis disease, a disorganization within the realm, the family or relationship. So if those three things are allowed and they're taught, especially to children, create, express and contribute, allow the child to create, allow them to express themselves, allow them to contribute, show them how to properly express themselves, properly contribute and properly create. And as long as those things don't hurt or harm anyone else, then they are fully balanced within this reality. We have too many people aren't being taught the right things for those three things that are doing crazy stuff and crimes and everything else. So, wow. Your right teacher there. is here. Yeah, <laughs> de de definitely, definitely. Namaste. Nikki, <laughs> Nikki you got another question? Sorry, uh, I talk a lot. No, no, you carry on. We, it's great. Honestly. I listen to you all day. Um, so, obviously, you started off with kind of doing, from what I remember, Dead Famous, which yeah. I watched. Which I didn't want to do. I told him, I said, oh, I'm not interested in this show. I Please. Back then, I absolutely loved watching yeah. it. Back then. I've actually gone back onto YouTube and I've actually rewatched some of the episodes that you've done with Gail. And your working relationship with Gail, your oh, yeah, yeah. uh, it's brilliant. You two together just yep. worked. We never we, we keep in touch. We kept in touch for like 15 years, you know. And it's like, uh, and you know, anyone that's watched Dead Famous and then seen Haunted Scotland, yeah, um, we didn't skip a beat. You know, we didn't skip a beat. And I always told her, I said, we'll work together again. Yeah, I told her, we're going to work together again. You wait and see. We're going to work together again. I got a feeling we're going to work together again, too. And, uh, you know, for years, I tried to bring the show back. You know, it was just difficult. Um, oh, I'd but, love to see it come back. But the thing is, we went through a lot. We went through a lot. And anybody that does research and goes back to those years knows Gail went through a lot of stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. And, I grew, and I grew up. I mean, I grew up because here I was thrown into doing stuff in front of a camera that usually was personal to me and very sensitive to me, you know, cause I went through some hardships with this growing up, but you know, by having some of these experiences, Whaley house and other places we went to, to me was like, Oh my God, now I, I have people with me. We're documenting this and I'm coming in contact with various forms of the paranormal that as a kid, I had to deal with most of the time on my own, terrified in my room or sleeping in my dad's room. Now I have people with me, this is such a thrill, such a rush to me. It was like, just, Oh my God, this is great. You know? So to go to that. And plus it, I was learning a lot too. And like I said, I was growing up, uh, learning how to work with other people, especially from another country. You know, there was some differences in cultures and stuff, but we all became this really close knit family by the third season. And plus, you know, we were on the cusp where digital cameras are coming in. And sometimes we were thinking, Oh, it's ghosts and this and that. And like, I mean, it's not, it's dust. Oh shit. Because there's sometimes I said, Oh, it's ghosts and spirits. And then, you know, further using it, realize it's not, it's dust. And I'm like, oh, cause then you see like the third season, well, Kel says, well, before you used to say it's ghost. Well, we're learning that it's not. Okay. She's well, how could be one? Of so you see that on one of the episodes I said, but we're going to look at the stuff in between, you know, and 
So it's, think, it's a, it was a learning curve too with the various technology we were starting to get at that time. I think my favorite thing was like when Gail, because obviously she was beginning of it, she was a total skeptic. Oh it. my God. She was so <laughs> stubborn. And she really, really oh, wanted her God. to kind of, at one point she was getting really frustrated and you were getting really frustrated and she was like, well, how do you know? And he was like, well, yeah, the strawberry. It was the strawberry. I said, we're at uh, Elvis Presley at Suncoast Studios. Yeah. I started talking about a, about a salmon swimming upstream. I go, why does salmon swim upstream? And she goes, what does that have to do with the paranormal? And I said, all right, a strawberry. Have you ever had a strawberry? Yes. Well, how do you know what it tastes like if you've never had one? You know, she's like, what does that have to do? Make? And it, it was, I was trying to make a point and I was making a point, but I wasn't making a point. And she's getting all frustrated. I said, oh my God, I can't deal with you because you don't even want to talk about metaphors and stuff like that. And, and I'm like, Oh, you're just a stubborn person. Right? So we had this battle, but that was our personality. That was our relationship. It really was, it was but love or hate, you know, made you two work so well yeah. together. It's that, that it was awesome. But yeah, you did make me chuckle when you took <laughs> it. really did. So where, where do you feel like with, with going into a show like that with Gail, <laughs> where she is a skeptic, you're trying well, to, she was no, well, dead famous she was a skeptic and and which people don't know after the first we, we had only commissioned six episodes for the first season of dead famous and i got really upset at the producer and at gail our alcatraz episode dealing with the mob and i decided i, I was going to quit so we had like uh a day off and then we were done filming and i just took an earlier flight and left i said i quit I don't wow. want to do the show anymore. And the producer was like upset. She's like, why? So because you guys aren't taking this seriously of what I do and this and that. And this is very sensitive to me. And I just don't want to do the show anymore. I said, all right, well, we'll give you, you know, a couple of weeks to think. And I told my mom, I'm done. I'm not doing this. You know, I was doing really well in the mortgage business. I said, I don't, I don't need this headache. I don't need this criticism and skepticism. I'm, I'm done, you know, um, and waste my time with every time I got to explain myself to somebody because they don't yeah. believe. So I get a call a couple of weeks later that, you know, the network, they want to do two specials. And so we came to an agreement. They would, you know, not pick on me as much because they picked on me a lot, you know? And, and I said, all right, fine, I'll do this. And then that's it. And I did it. And it, you know, then we did a second, third season and I just, I grew up, I just didn't take things personal because I was defensive, you know, but I still talk to that producer. We're best friends. I mean, you know, I, I just, I just talked to her a month ago and we keep in touch because we want to do something together. And I said, you know, she's like, I found you. I said, I know you found me. I said, but we learned a lot from each other. We grew up and I respect that, you know, because she taught me some amazing things, you know, going to, you know, filming with a crew from another country and being on the road all the time and having to get along with them and not always getting along, but learning how to compromise was something I didn't always have, you know? So for me, it was such an amazing experience. Plus going to the most haunted places in America. God, I never would have been able to do that on my own ever. So for me, it was like, Hey, been there, done that. Right. It's just great. Screen. Plus working with her, but the thing is I was going to say is people don't know within those 15 years since we last worked, Gail's house has been haunted. She's seen ghosts and had experiences. She's a total believer, especially she became a believer after Hotel Coronado, what happened to her, Queen Mary, and then some other experiences on the show and off camera. She says, oh my God, this stuff is real. She goes, I'm so sorry for being media. I said, no, 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 no. It's part of the process. You had to go through that. She became more and more sensitive. As she yes, did. she is sensitive, which people don't understand the first season of Haunted Scotland, which they didn't explain, is that she was always getting an emotional wanting to leave because she, you know, she deals with emotional things anyway. Anybody want to read about her past? You can read about her past. Okay. She's dealt with a lot of emotional stuff. Yeah. 
So when you have spirits and entities that also are dealing with emotions and are latching onto her, she's very sensitive to children, ghosts and female yeah. ghosts. For some reason they gravitate to her. Why? Because she's a mother and yeah. has a child and she's gone through difficulties, divorce and everything else. They, they recognize that. So they gravitated to her more than me when we were doing haunted Scotland. And as I began to realize, wait a minute, they're talking through you. So I started using her. I said, all right, Gail, don't get upset. Just stay. What are you feeling? Talk to me. And she would start telling me what she's seeing, which would be the spirit trying to communicate with her. And it was just remarkable. I said, oh my God. She's like, Chris, I'm like, I hate to say this, but I'm becoming psychic like you. I'm sensitive. I can hear them. I could feel them. I said, no, this is great. You know? Because they're resonating with your own pain and stuff that you carry with you. They're resonating with that. So now you have rapport with them. They could understand. So a lot of the times, you know, she just didn't want to feel that emotion because she likes to be in control of herself. But I would call her and I said, no, we got to deal with this. Tell me what you're feeling. And it was just remarkable. Uh, I missed because like Vogue wasn't like that in the season. You know, Vogue's detached from that emotionally. So I didn't have that this, this season of haunt. And I was like, I was always looking for it. Like, oh, I don't have it. I was, you know. But we use the ITC then to communicate where the spirit would talk to us. So we would, we would get that idea, you know, and for anybody, if you've seen the Wicklow, uh, it's one of my favorite scenes. Um, there's a little bit longer of that. They edited it down, but the Wicklow jail episode is when come in contact with this, this guard that used to kill people. And this guard was terrible because he had a really rough childhood being abused and everything else. So he would take and project that pain on the prisoners he would torture them and hurt them and kill them. And some of them would take a lasso and because he was so tall, he'd be the walking gallow and choke them to death. Now, here are all these spirits that are stuck there that have died there. And here's him still there because of what he's done, his own judgment, his own private hell. He's now realizing and seeing the pain he's caused to them. I'm bringing them together and showing them. He's like, I can't cross over because of what I've done. And they're like, we don't want to. So you guys got to forgive one another. So I'm telling him to forgive one another. Now he's seeing what he's done and experiencing everything he's done. He's being forgiven for what happened to him and facing his past, his childhood. Now he's like, oh my God, I'm so ashamed. The regret of what I've done. These people were innocent. And some of these people didn't even belong in jail, but I tortured them and killed them anyway. That was wrong of me. And you hear his remorse and his emotion come through the Frank's box. I mean, just imagine the horrific shredding of tears and emotion. Like, how could I do this? And it's, and it's coming out. Yeah. You know, Evelyn's face is like, I've never heard that on Frank's box. And, and Ryan's like, it's never come through the Frank's box like this. This is the remorse of that, of that guard. And you That's see me cover my face. Cause I start crying and I had to walk away and come back and they don't show that. But I, I had to cover myself cause I was feeling his pain. It was so painful to feel that because we've all felt at some part in our life, like, Oh my God, I, I did something so wrong. How did I do that? You know, the repercussions, he was feeling the repercussions and asking for forgiveness. And because of that, he was able to be released such a powerful emotional thing that we all could relate to at some point that was happening right there. And then when it says it's done and you hear me clap my hands, yes, because I have an agreement with them on the other side. When it's been carried out, when that person's been healed, when they've been helped and released, spirits on the other side tell me it's done. And when it said it's done, if you go back to Help My House is Haunted, the second season yeah. I go upstairs, the woman that had the demonic entity in there, and we we got rid of it. And then we come downstairs, they're in the kitchen, and all of a sudden the spirit box says, it's done. They're like, Chris, it said it's done. I said, I know. Right? So same thing. We said, and help my house is haunted, right? And that's letting me know. That's the communication, the message, the signal I have with them to let me know that it's finished. It's been taken care of. And I'm like, yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm.
Um, one of the questions also about haunted locations, uh, there was a question in the audience that I've remembered. Um, you did an investigation at the Lizzie Borden house, is that right? Yes. Um, yes. What they've asked is a couple of questions, but firstly, what was your personal belief of the Lizzie Borden house? Do you believe that she was the one that killed her family or do you think it was she was possessed? What was your thoughts after investigating the Lizzie Borden house? I believe she knows what happened. Uh, she was involved, but I believe there was a man that snuck in and did that. His name is John okay. or something, but he came in and he did that. Excuse me. And he carried it out. Now, also, uh, we came in contact with this darkness, this dark energy that has, you know, behind Hitler, it's behind everything. It, it is it is pure evil, has many faces and many names. It's been behind many serial killings, many wars, many terrible things people has done, and it spreads itself out throughout the planet and stuff like that to cause people to do this. You want to talk about Satan, Lucifer, demons, this, that, Beelzebub, they all come from this darkness. And it's no different than the creator creating all of us and creating different free will and personalities. This darkness has expanded its consciousness into other entities and other forms to carry out what it wants to carry out. We came in contact with this thing that was there. The the night I got in late that night. I was supposed to get in that morning to film, so I missed a day of filming because my flights were delayed. I got in late that night, said hi to everybody, and was taken back to the to the hotel. And that morning, I wake up. A black mass was on top of me. I open up my eyes, and I'm being smothered by this big black mass. And I kick at it, and it takes off because it knew that I was going to be going to that house and confronting it. Now, what also happened was my girlfriend at the time she had a horrific nightmare that someone came into the house with a knife wanted to kill her daughter and kill her. And it was this darkness attacking her, attacking me. Then my mom collapsed. My mom completely blacked out, fell, hit her head, went to the hospital. She fractured, I think it was her shoulder or collarbone or her, uh, her hip. She was actually in the hospital for a month and a half. The show says that she was out, but no, that's a lie. It's not. I don't know why they put that on there, but she was in the hospital for over a month. She had to have surgery. It was really bad. She's like, Chris, all of a sudden I'm in the kitchen. And I don't remember anything. She was there for 24 hours. Luckily, the pet sitter came a day early. She usually comes on Thursday, but came on Wednesday, saw her laying there. She'd been there. She was completely dehydrated. If she wasn't found, she could have died if there's any other longer time. So something possessed her, you know, made her blank out and caused physical issue to her. So sometimes these things will attack you because they want to remove you. So when you see in the show where I say, you know, I'm not going to go home because I know it's purposely doing this to remove me. I need to be here. And when you witness the seance, us confronting this, you see why. You know, if I wasn't there, none of that would have happened because I led that seance. So sometimes you have to realize that regardless of what's going on, what is the the, the greater good that needs to be done? And the greater good was confronting this thing and getting to the bottom of it. Wow. So I believe they were possessed and they were affected to go do this. You understand what I'm saying? Not possessed where yeah. they go, oh my God, I can't believe I did this. There was hate and anger, but they took it to the next level because this thing pushed them to go do that. That's my belief. Would you say that could have been one of your most scariest experiences then? Something like that happening? No, not at all. No? Okay. Well, well, well. <laughs> what is your no. most scariest experience? Scariest? Um well, it's interesting. The, the, as a child, it was when the demonic entity appeared beside the bed when I was in my dad's room. The whole room lit up like in flames. And there was this horrific creature shrieking in this super loud tone. My dad and I wake up, we turn and we look at it and we race to the other side of the bed 
jump off the bed and my dad grabs me to protect me and then it disappears. My dad picks up the phone to call the police, puts it down, picks up the phone to call the police, puts it down. I go, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going to call the police, but it's gone. You know, um, that was terrifying to see my dad as a professional hockey player terrified. Now I had a regression. I went back to that moment because I wanted to see what it was, but it was so blanked out because it was so terrifying. But in that regression, I did not realize how scared my dad was. And as I watched in this regression and <coughs> replaying it and seeing how terrified he was that, Oh my God, no wonder my dad always went to church and this and that and prayed because this scared him that much that he went back to his faith because of this. And I'm like, wow, you know, so that was the scariest moment I ever had. But then there's another one that happened in 2016 after my car accident, everything I was on muscle relaxers and pain pills to try to deal with the neck pain and the head pain. I, I went off it cause it was causing too many side effects. Then my doctor says, well, let's, let's try cannabis. So I had some cannabis oil. I took too much of it. You're supposed to take one drop. And I took five. So I had an overdose. And in, in that overdose, I was completely out of it. I saw these demonic entities coming at me. Now I was vulnerable and they were attacking me. He says, you're, you're ours now. You're going to be stuck. And I thought I was going to be stuck this way psychologically forever. And they were attacking me, coming down, shredding at me, tearing me apart. And I was screaming, right? And remember, I cried out. And all of a sudden, this, this loving, caring voice says, this will only last eight hours. This is temporary. Don't listen to them. And they're telling me, you know, kill your cat, do this, do that. And I'm sitting there realizing this is what some people go through that have psychological disorder when these demonic entities attack them. This is also what some spirits that don't cross over are tormented by gnashing of teeth and all these demonic. Oh my God, it's real. Okay. And it is the most horrifying thing you could ever imagine because you feel like vultures and birds are pecking at your skin, tearing off your flesh and there's nothing you can do. You can't move and you're being tormented like this. And then your mentality, they make you believe that you're going to experience this for eternity. So I'm just screaming like, just, I want to die, but I feel like I'm already dead, but it won't end. So for me, that was hell. Okay. That was hell. But I realized I had to experience that to understand what some people go through from this torment, as well as what some of the dead go through that if I can help and do prayers or do something to remove that, that's part of my mission now. And I think the universe and the creator wanted me to experience that, to realize the reality of what's happening that not everybody realizes. Wow, well, that's just a horrible experience for you. Oh, it was, it was unbelievable. I mean, it's just, you know, I would never want to go back to that again. But if I had to, I think I would be better prepared, you know? You know, it must, hard, it must have been hard dealing with that sort of thing as an adult. But how did you deal with it as a young child? Because you're going back to, you know, a year old, three years old, and then going on. As a child, how do you? you know, um, I became introverted at times, and I would get angry, you know, about it. Uh, my dad says I used to lock myself. I got a recording of him saying this. I used to lock myself in my in the bathroom because of the ghosts. I used to hide in the tub at night, or I'd hide in the bathroom because I felt they never would go into the bathroom. Right. Uh, the other thing was is you know I grew up. My mom thought I had a, a bedwetting problem because I used to wet the bed. The reality was, is I was terrified to go in the hallway because they were there. And there was a couple of nights I was held down by these ghosts, these demonic entities. They'd come out of the wall and stuff like that, that I was afraid. And the one time I saw them in the hallway that at nighttime, I would just lean over and piss right in the uh, vent. Or sometimes wow. I'd just go in the bed because I was too scared. And it had to do with fear. I was that scared that I would, I would pee in the bed. But then after my friends, 
my best friends had an experience in the house and they saw the ghost too. All of a sudden I stopped wetting the bed. And it's just because as if now that my friends believe me and everything and that we were confronting some of these things together, I start overcoming that fear. You know, I said, I don't have to live this way anymore. And then it just stopped. I mean, I went to psychologists. I went to, they, I had to sleep on this little metal pad that would like slightly electrocute you when, when you would pee, you know, all the stuff my parents were trying to put me through and it had all to do with the, the entities, you know? And as soon as I overcame my own fear of that, I said, forget that I'm, I'm going in the hallway and I'm going to go and into the bathroom and it stopped. That, that's uh that's a lot to deal with at a young age, isn't it? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and you know, I one of the questions I ask is, you know, how did people p perceive what you were going through? Like, it was great that you had friends that sort of witnessed the same as you, but then when you're looking at the older generation, especially back then, yeah, you know, 70s. Yeah, we're talking the 70s. It wasn't talked about. I mean, you know, you know, it was a taboo subject, or totally if you said something, crazy. You, you're crazy. You're you've lost yeah. When I was uh, in high school, I almost punched one of my neighbors because. Uh, uh, he says, you know, both you and your mom are crazy and stuff like that because you know, stuff that was going on in the house, I almost decked him, you know, seriously. I, I just walked right up to my dad's like, Chris, you know, you know, walk away. I said, how dare you talk about my parents like that? Because I knew the stuff that, because, you know, they had talked to, well, my mom had talked about, and I talked about some of our neighbors, you know, the ghosts and stuff going on. Obviously it spread throughout the, on the street, people talking about it. So the fact that they were, you know, cause I felt responsible for a lot of these ghost things. And they were saying that my parents are crazy. You know, f you. You know, I'm don't don't you dare say that. So yeah, there was, <laughs> there was so much stuff that went through. Even in school, I was dragged out in the hallway by a teacher. Just thought I was making up these stories because I was telling other kids in the class what I was experiencing that night, what I saw, and I'm crying. She's like, you know, quit lying. Ghosts aren't real. I'm like, you know, my parents raised me to tell the truth. Here I'm in a Catholic school, and you're telling me I'm lying, but I'm telling you the truth. So what do I do? You know, I lie about the ghosts and don't talk about it, even though they they keep appearing, you know, frequently. This makes no sense. So I was so confused. But then you, you just touched on, so you you come from a Catholic background. Is that right? I would, yeah. Like, my, know? my dad was very, you know, spiritual, well, spiritual, very religious. He grew up with his mom like that. So they, they put me in a Catholic school, which I was grateful for because of that. It protected me with a lot of stuff that was going on. I would do the prayers and angels would show up and this and that. And, you know, thank God. Otherwise I don't know what I would have done. I probably would have been possessed. I would have been possessed and probably be dead. The, the the thing that I don't understand with this, this like going into religion a little bit, religion and paranormal, is that people find it hard to believe in what you've experienced in the paranormal side of things, seeing ghost entities. But then they, they're happy to believe in a book that's been written that we have no real physical evidence. Do, do you know what I mean? We're, we're going by what's been written in the book and it's been adapted over the years. Right. Why do you yeah. think they find it easier to believe in the book than what you're saying? Or comfort the their own insecurity and faith they don't want they feel if their faith is affected whatever they're affected because their identity is based on that now i know some people that led really bad lives you know selling drugs prostitution whatever it was that they went from one extreme to the next then became completely reborn christians faith this and that and then they turn on me saying you know you're talking to the devil and this and that goes deep. i'm like oh my god you know they used to know the stuff was now it's like I'm I talk to the devil. Okay. It's from one extreme to the next. It's because their identity is fragmented. And they have to, it's like you're 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 drowning and you have to hold on to a life preserver. So that life preserver, that faith or whatever it was, the coping mechanism they had before, 
you know, feeling wanted or validated or coping mechanism with drugs, alcohol, whatever it was that was keeping them afloat because for them to face their own trauma and pain of the past was very difficult. So if you remove that or anyone kind of contradicts that little life preserver, they will attack that person because of that. You know, now listen, I, I believe a lot of scripture. I don't believe all the scripture because there's contradictions and we know that, but I believe a lot of the scripture and a lot of the scripture did help me and did save me. But as we know, scripture isn't evil. Man is evil. Man tries to control man. Man kills man. So man will always, I mean, we see it in the politics in America, you know, with whether Republicans or Democrats, doesn't matter. I'm not going to get into it, but they will use religion and stuff to try to create their platform because they know there's a huge platform of religion. So if they get all those voters, it's going to help them. They don't care about the religion. They never even pick up a book and read it. Some of them, you know, they're not religious or anything like that, or they're like against people, you know, of different genders or sex or whatever it is. And they're so hardcore Christian against, I go, what would Jesus do? Jesus would walk up and hug the person and tell them they're loved, but here you are attacking people. So the problem is, not the scripture the problem is the people some of the scripture has been manipulated or controlled to control the the roman catholic church or whatever organization of religion i mean think about it this way the priests who sent jesus to death the priests did the pharisees the pharisees the priests sent jesus to death okay you can blame you know the roman politics whatever you want you know being the final decider <laughs> But they're the one that wanted Jesus out of the way because they were the one that were worshipped and had all this money and everybody came to. Now that they're not coming to him, they're going to Jesus. Forget that. That's control. So it's no different than it was then to it was today. No different. Okay? People are going to stick to whatever values or faith or whatever they have, even if it's wrong. Okay? Yeah. They're going to stick to that because that's their identity. And that gives them some type of power, strength, or uh, significance when it's wrong, then they need to look into themselves and find out their own significance, not something else. Then they could add that if they want, but then they would have a better discernment to like, you know, that, that I don't need that. That's wrong. So why do I need to feel validated by believing that, you know? Mm. So people that's look for validation nice. in certain things and don't, don't, you know, test it or argue, but then there's some people open to it. You know, they're open to that stuff. You know, I mean, you look at the Bible, it even talks about elementals, you know, talks about satires and stuff the spirits of the forest you know don't talk to them because they'll lead you astray well it's true you know they'll lie to you we know that so it's like come on <laughs> you know even jesus is walking around and he goes like is that a ghost or is that jesus he goes jesus is like i'm not a ghost it's really me okay so ghosts exist they're talking about ghosts right yeah so right. nikki any more questions for you so four four Obviously, nowadays Girl. <laughs> any sorry any sort of um child that is wanting to find out about if they have a you know they, they've started experiencing stuff they think they've they've got a gift so you can go on google and you can research and but obviously for yourself when you as a kid none of that really existed no I, I had no none of that you know my dad didn't want me to talk about it so ignore it go away right and then my parents <laughs> got divorced but then my mom she was like, we'll just talk about it in the house. Cause my mom had experiences. She didn't see ghosts. She would feel stuff that was coming for her. She would hear stuff, you know, and she had dreams that would come true. So 
after I, I think it was a third or fourth encounter that I had where I saw three ghosts and one of them waved at me because I was like, I wonder if this ghost can see me like I can see her. And it waved, even though I didn't say that I felt that. So it waved. My mom's like, that's it. We got to figure out why they're here. So she got a Ouija board and we started using a Ouija board for years. Those, there was good times and bad times using the Ouija board, obviously, but my God, the stuff we learned and I would do it with my mom all the time. Then when she wasn't around, I do it by myself or I do it with my friends. It didn't really work when I did it by myself. I did have stuff fly across the room and things move, which was insane, right? But I would do it with my friends, friends from school or neighborhood kids. We go in the garage, they come over and we do it in the family room, whatever. Or sometimes we do it outside the Ouija board because I wanted to know more. I had questions. I wanted to learn. They, these, some of these spirits became like my friends, you know, because I could talk to them. So for me, it was like, that was my outlet. It was either my mom or the Ouija board. And then some of my friends, they got into it. Like my one friend, Blue, he was the one there in third grade, saw the ghost with me and Brian. I still talk to him. You know, he's like, hey, my house is haunted now too. And my kids see stuff. And remember when we used to do this before everybody else, we were, we were like the original ghost hunters. I go, well, we weren't the original ghost hunters. There was other people out there, you know, but he says, can you believe it? Imagine if we had our own TV show when we were nine years old doing this. I said, yeah, maybe a YouTube channel, you know, but we didn't have that back then. But we were doing this, you know, and we were walking around my house, broad daylight with a flashlight you know, trying to look behind bushes. Did the ghosts go behind the bushes? Are they in the window? Well, you know, cause when you're that, you don't know where they go. You know, right. So we're looking everywhere all around my yard and inside the house. Are they in a closet? You go in the basement. No, you go in the basement first. You know, so we'd have this crazy stuff that would happen, but we were doing that back. Geez, man, 74, 75, 76, you know? So how did you learn to control your abilities? Um, well, it helped when my mom taught me about telepathy and then doing the Ouija board with my mom and learning how to do that. Then I had some spirits would warn me and they would tell me certain things. Like the one time I'll never forget it was me, Brian and blue. We were at blue's house and all of a sudden uh, we're in the basement and spirit says, I can show you stuff, take you to other realms. Really? How? So, okay, lay down and rub your temples right here, right behind the eyes, between the ears and the eyes right in here. So we would lay down and I do that to blue or Brian and we do it to each other. And we would just rub this. He says, just close your eyes and pretend you're going to sleep and just concentrate on leaving your body. All three of us were like, have these incredible visions and dreams. Like, Oh my God, that's wild. Right? So I said, all right, let me try again. I'm gonna try again. So this one time we're doing this, all of a sudden I'm really focusing and concentrating and shoom, I shoot out of my body. I go like this. So I don't hit the ceiling. Next thing I pull my hands away and I'm in space. And I'm looking around, I see all these stars. I'm like, where am I? I turn around, I see the earth and I see the globe that's illuminating and I'm screaming bloody murder because I'm thinking I'm going to fall into space. I'm lost. All of a sudden I think I just want to be back in my body and I shoot back to my body. I thought I was going to die and smack right into the ground and splatter, right? But I don't have a physical vessel. It was just my soul. And I shot back into my body. I jumped up screaming. Both my friends screamed because I screamed like, what the hell? I said, I am never doing that again. Oh my God, I was just in space. Just get out. I said, no, I left my body, you know, and I didn't know at the time, but that was an out of body experience that terrified me. Last thing I want to do is be stuck in space or be stuck in a place that I don't have control. But my thoughts took me there, right? I just wanted, I was trying so hard to shoot out of my body or go someplace. I went somewhere, you know? So mm -hmm. it was like this meditative state that taught us. I mean, we're talking about in grade school that we did this. And because I was so scared, I didn't want to do it again. I've done it again doing the gateway program. Okay, back in 2016, when I heard that Army Intelligence did this and they proved that there's a creator and there's there's souls and everything, and the document was put on the CIA website. So I tracked down the gateway and I started doing it myself. And oh my God, I love it. You know, I've had amazing experiences and encounters.
and I do it frequently. I just, I do it a couple of times a week is I will do it for meditative purposes to go to a safe place, whether it's a white room or a dark room away from the physical body and allow myself to heal and just to resonate at a very comfortable frequency. And then I'll come back. So for me, it's a very healing process for meditation and, and, and uh, spiritual using those frequencies. So for me, I learned from the Ouija board, talking to the spirits and I learned from my mom. Then having my friends there, I had that support where I could just be me, you know, not have to worry about talking about ghosts because they could relate because they had experience in my house. And we continued to have experiences, TV guides flying across the room, noises, scary stuff, phones ringing, nobody's there, you know, all these other things that we had happen. So when you have your friends and your mom, you know, it's fine. But I was always talking about it outside the house and getting in trouble and, you know. It's the way I am, rebel. Well, somebody's already put a comment up, but you, yeah, your mom sounds like she was awesome. Yeah, yeah she does, and we still talk about it. She'll call me and tell me, oh, you're not going to believe what happened two days ago. I just saw a ghost go through the hallway, this and that. And, you know, I started documenting, you know, some of the stuff my mom's talked about, so I have that record. I have a little bit with my dad. I wish I did more, you know. Um, and, and and even our babysitter who just passed away. I mean, I wish I had, I had spoke to her on the phone for three hours, telling me all the stuff. I wish I would have documented it. So some of the people I have to do uh, to call them that I grew up with to document further. So I have this on record because they were there. They're eyewitnesses. You know, even some of my ex-girlfriends that experienced stuff, you know, when we were younger. So high school is, is I need to get all this stuff documented. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now, you, you've um, investigated a number of places around the world. Uh, just a few to mention, Jamaica, Mexico, UK, United right. States. Right. Do, do you find that, the, like for you, you, you're talking about frequency with the brain. Do you find that there's a difference with each location, like certain countries, that there's something different about the investigations that you take part in? in yeah, it's very, the country? it's very simple. Older cultures, you know, older history there tends to be more activity because you got spirits that have been around for a long period of time in the spirit realm, you know, hundreds, thousands of years compared to America. America's, you know, it's what, three, 400 years old, whatever it is. Hmm. You know, it's like you got places thousands of year old where spirits have been there for over a thousand years. They figured out a lot of stuff they can do within the physical and spiritual realm. So they tend to be more active, you know, especially when you go to some of these places where they've been a long time, and they have not communicated with people. No one's bothered to come in there to communicate with them. So when we go in there, we're getting just incredible stuff. I mean, look when we're on the, uh, what episode was that? The Wicklow Jail, out on the boat. I'm thinking, oh, great, we're going to go out there. We're not going to get anything. I'm, you know, and even, and I told him in editing, I said, you know, the K2 meter went off, okay? And it's got the sound on it. But it went just a little bit, right? And you barely see it. I said, zoom in on that so you can see it. And they didn't zoom in on it. But it goes up, and it does again, you do see it. But to have the K2 meter go off, to have the other device go off, okay? The SLS didn't work at all because it can't map anything because it's too dark and mm -hmm. the depth is too far because it, it, the SLS camera, uh, it measures the depth. So if there's a wall in the background, it measures any changes between that wall and here because the laser that shoots out the SLS is going out into infinity across the lake. There's nothing to measure, so it wouldn't show up. But, you know, we, we use the ghost tube and it, the responses back and forth. I mean, it's just extraordinary. You know, and, and that was like, wow, this, this worked out way better than I thought it was going to, you know, and, and Ryan and I still talk about like, how cool was that? You know, I mean, even last week's episode, of the, sorry, I can't pronounce it, but in the caves, Halloween caves. Did you see the look of those two group guys? I forgot that Andrew and uh, Richard or something. I forget. Yeah. From the, the paranormal group, the Puka, they're like, 
Yeah. I mean, they caught, we caught on the SLS. We caught the photograph, which we didn't see the photograph till later. And, no. we, and, and both of us, there's two of us. We felt something was there, right? We felt it. We had that sensitivity. And then the puka, you're like, play it back again. We played, we played it back like five, six times, you know? Um, and there was a couple other EVPs we got as well. They didn't show, but the shock on their face, like, yeah, you know, it's just, it was awesome. I'm like, yes, yes. We got it outside the cave on top of the mountain. This is great. You know? So that's just people like, oh my God, he's over the top. Like, you know, Chris is over the, how am I over the top? I get excited. I mean, to grow up and be prohibited from talking about this outside the house from the skepticism and the ridicule I used to get not only in grade school, high school and college to now have other fellow like-minded colleagues and we're getting stuff to me. It's like, I'm a little kid again. I never grew up like Peter Pan. Like, yeah, you know, it's like, I always get excited when we get stuff like this because it's validation. You know, I, you I, grow, yeah. So, you know, I did the other week we went to um, Derby jail and we, got an EV couple of EVPs didn't we really um yeah. one I got on my voice recorder which was one of my colleagues talking um Sarah saying um hello spirit can you say hi and you get that little faint hi that comes through and me um I'm just I get so excited right. when I get stuff like that oh absolutely and the thing is people forget as they go there they say hi they do all sort of stuff but when you leave also do a session say goodbye we're leaving now you see me i do it at every event so yeah. we're leaving now goodbye we have to shut this off and you know, a lot of times you hear you hear thank you goodbye bye see ya talk to you later and i was like oh my god they're saying goodbye yeah do the same thing you know i mean i've got some recordings leaving they say goodbye and then you know one negative thing you know we don't want to ever see you again you effing piece of shit you know it's <laughs> like uh it, sometimes you get the negative stuff but still there there's an evp right there caught it when you're leaving you know, it's cool. It's good stuff. You know, it's an EVP at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, yeah. PSII. PSII is the group that uh, we did on the mountain. I, I see there's a lot of questions people have. If we want to ask maybe some questions, someone asked yeah, about, uh, I'll, I'll does Chris about believe that aliens visited earth many mil? Of course. I mean, it's all in the cultures and everything. Aliens. I mean, I believe actually aliens created us. They are the missing link. They created us. Um, and say, well, what does that mean about a creator? Well, Creator created many other beings to create, creates the soul, and they're they're the the farmers or the scientists creating our physical vessels for us to exist in. That's how it became a reality. I do believe that we are hybrid, that we come from aliens. Not everybody's going to believe that, and that's perfectly fine. It does change things in scripture. But if you look in uh, Genesis, it says they're now like us, gods. Who's us? And why are we now like gods? Well, the early you know, the people in certain cultures, when the aliens would come down, they thought they were gods. So we were created by the gods. And the gods are not the god, but they've created many other civilizations, so they've been worshipped as gods. But then there's the main creator, which created all these other beings and created them and everything. So it's just, it passes down. No different than when you have a family and you have children. Those children have children. The children have children. children. There's a great, great, great grandpa, you know, first in the generation or whatever. You know, he's like the god, right? He's the one that started it all. Same thing. Yeah. It's just, it was all a big part of the whole existence of happy family. And if you talk to most abductees, you know, that have had conversations with the aliens, they're going to tell you they created us, you know? So, you know, and it's funny because uh, Jimmy Carter is our president. He was told, and there's stuff you can read about this. He broke down crying because when he was told the reality of what the aliens, they've told him the aliens have been kidnapped and captured from Roswell and stuff, everything else. 
had told them that they 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 created us. Now some of them are lying to us about certain things, but you know, I I and, and now with America coming out the whistleblowers saying, you know, there's extraterrestrials, there's dimensional beings, and there's interdimensional beings. We know all about it. so that's why we no longer call them aliens or extraterrestrial, because to be all encompassing, we now call them uh, non-human biologicals, because they come from all different places. Non-human biologicals. Now paranormal needs to step up because when they talk about the interdimensional. They're talking about entities that exist in our dimension, that 90% electromagnetic spectrum we don't see. We see the 10% visual. The 90% is our dimension. They are able to be seen and hide in that inner dimension, that 90%. Okay. Well, they're telling you there's interdimensional beings. Well, in the paranormal, wake up, you know, they're talking about not only ghosts, probably, but they're talking about entities. So they're talking about demonic entities. They're talking about elementals and God knows what else they've come in contact with that we may or may not have come in contact with. So I find that fascinating that as paranormal investigators, the hardcore people out there start finding out, well, what's in our inner dimension? What are the entities and beings? Let's start pursuing this. Let's start asking those questions to those whistleblowers. What do you mean by interdimensional beings? What kind of interdimensional beings? Have you become familiar with ghosts and spirits? Have you become familiar with elementals? What other entities that aren't aliens from outside our dimension in space are you talking about? Wow. Um, Jenny's also asked, uh, what was your favorite location in Ireland? My favorite location? Uh, I loved Black, the Blackwater Castle, Black Tower Castle, whatever it's called. I loved that place. Amazing. The activity. I mean, we spent the night there um, before we started investigating the following day. So it was me, Ryan, and our sound guy, Simon, we're all on the third floor. Ryan and I had experience the first night. I wake up and I see a woman, a ghost, uh, gliding through the room, goes through the wall. I'm like, oh my God, I just saw a woman ghost. She's going down the hallway. I wonder if she's going to interact with Ryan. Then I start to go back to sleep and I said, all right, I know all your spirits around here. Please, I got to go to sleep. I'm not going to start investigating tomorrow. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Then I wake up and I hear this, help me. I'm like, what the man? So I over and I'm shocked and I was a little startled. There's a big black shadow cloaked figure with these red eyes, very tall coming out of the wall, obviously speaking to me. So I go to grab my camera, start filming. By the time I grab my camera, get it on the camera, you got to put it in the passcode. Gosh darn it. Cause face recognition won't rate recognize you in the dark. And I, I go over, it's gone. I'm like what the hell? Right? So I get up and I start filming a little bit and I still have that video of it. And, um, so the next morning I look at my watch, it's like two twenty-five, something like that. When I come out of the room in the morning, Ryan looks at me in the hall like, I go, what? Did you have something happen last night? He goes, yes. I go, what time? He goes, about 2.35, 2.40. I said, Ryan, I had something about 15 minutes before that. It must have passed by my room, went into your room. So we shared our experiences. We're like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. Plus, I heard drums that night. When I first started unpacking, I heard boom, 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 boom. At first, I'm thinking, did someone just pull up with a car with subwoofers in the back? And I look outside, there's no car there, right? First thing I think of being in the suburbs or in the city, right? But I'm not. We're in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing out there. So then we find out, oh, my God, it could be uh, the war. There was wars that happened here, and they were attacked and played drums. So that became part of our investigation, which they edited it out, unfortunately. But I start talking about, can you replicate the drums? Can we hear the drums? Ryan captures it on his D DR60. Right after I asked it, we got it. Then we did it again, second time right? So we caught it twice. Then we're going to ask more about it. We get a direct voice phenomenon. We start hearing the drums. Oh my God, we just heard the drums. Well, they edited all that out except us hearing the drums. Why they did that, I don't know. Okay. I didn't, I'm like, come on guys, this is extraordinary. So they took all the, the backstory to that out. They just 
put in, I think because there's so much other content and they could have spent 10 minutes just on that. I don't know. But I love that place because the activity we were getting and the fact that I saw two ghosts the very first night there uh, was extraordinary. Plus, we have something physical that happens. Um, none of us are touched, but something physical occurs. That's pretty cool. So I, I love that place. I really do. Um, to me, that was my favorite. The school was really cool. I still have some skepticism regarding the videos, which I, I plan to put a video out discussing that. But I saw ghosts in daytime while I was there. And one of them I saw with one of the people that works there. We both saw it together and I race after it and it was caught on camera. Okay. So the fact of the matter is that school is haunted, whether that video is real or not, that school is haunted. And then meeting some of the other teachers that saw stuff fly off the wall and everything not too long ago, it's highly active. So for me, and plus wait to hear the ITC communication we get, it is going to blow your mind. So that's the season finale. And I've seen the episode, and I think it's great. It's one of my favorite episodes. So that place I really liked, uh, Black Tower Castle, Lep Castle, those are my three favorite places. Brilliant. Um, Samantha's also asked, um, how's Vogue Williams doing after filming? Uh, saw you tweet, mentioned that it left her too scared to sleep. Yeah, no, she talked about when we were filming that she was terrified to sleep when she'd go home because she felt like something would be following her and stuff like that. So she talked about that while we were filming. Um, that she was freaked out. And then by the, uh, the end of the season, um, she was kind of pulling herself away because she was starting to really freak her out. And the Faye, she didn't believe in the Faye and anything, didn't want to get involved in that. She was like, all right, that's crazy stuff. I don't even know if I believe in that. But after what happened to Alwi Cave and this and that, she's like, oh my God, you know, I don't want to, some people are like, I'm okay with this, with ghosts. But when we get into these other things, I don't want to know. I just, you know, some people just shut down, you know, and, and you haven't heard a peep out of her you know, since the show started airing, she hasn't said anything about it. Like she's just, you know, she realized, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Okay. <laughs> Some people just, they feel they create this comfort zone. And after they've had these experiences, they realized what's really going on and all this stuff's happening. And they're like, Oh my God, I don't want to go that route. I got kids. I got a family. I want to put, I want to protect my space. And, and I think that's what she's doing. And just one, another question that coming from the audience from Abby um, we've seen Spooked Island, Spooked Scotland. Would there be a Spooked UK? You know, I, I really don't know. I know they talked about Wales. They talked about England. They talked about Italy. Um, you know, I know at one point the network wants to go all over the world, but I, it's all, you know, there's been a lot of changes between Warner Brothers and Discovery and budget cuts and everything, you know, so I don't know. We haven't heard anything yet. Um, I know this show is doing phenomenal. Uh, it really, it's really just blew the doors off of the first season. Um, feedback's been, so it would be, it would be a shame to, to not continue, but it's all going to come down to the overall budget. Cause a lot of shows have been cut. A lot of shows aren't coming back just cause they just don't have the funding. And, and what's happening, the biggest thing people don't realize is that there's so much content out there. And I've been following this. I've been in this, you know, three decades, the nineties is that there's so much content out there. So when you used to have a show that would get, you know, 10 million viewers, 2 million viewers. Like remember when ghost hunters came out, they were getting like 2.5 million viewers in sci-fi. Now you're lucky if you get 500,000, 600,000, you know, viewers, because there's so much content for people to watch. It saturates viewership, completely saturates it. So people are watching all these other things. They just don't have time to watch everything. So too much content becomes a problem because it hurts you in the ratings. 
Um, so I don't know what our viewership is on, on these shows. I haven't been told, but uh, I do know that it's done very well because we keep seeing it trending and featured on HBO Max and on Discovery. And the fact that it's being featured and it's being it's trending is telling you it's doing very well because they have millions of viewers on there. So there's got to be some amazing numbers being done. But I know it's always like, well, can can you continue the show if we do it cheaper and we cut the budget? You know, it's like, you know, I mean, what I make in the show is barely is not much at all. I made more doing Dead Famous decades ago than what I'm making now. And I didn't make a lot then, but I, it's it's way better than what I'm making now. But I do it because I love it. And I'm passionate about it. I just don't know how much longer I can do it. I got to make some money, you know, to survive because I do this full time. You know, which is why I do all these other things in the paranormal. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, I, I love it. And I, and I hope we continue. Um, and I think we can build upon it. I, I want to become more involved as a producer because there's details within the story that's missing that I feel would, would take it to another level that is necessary. Um, and I think I want to I want to make intelligent paranormal programming where people are learning from it and you're going into realms and dimensions of greater understanding that other shows just don't have the experience to talk about because that they're not, they're not going there. Uh, you know, the, the screaming and yelling and the, the Blair witch type stuff that's dead. You know, that nobody wants to see that anymore. They want to see the intelligent paranormal programming. They want to learn something from this. It's like science. It's like looking at Skinwalker ranch, you know, they, they want to, they want the evidence. They want the proof. They want the contact. They want the science behind it. And I, that's what we're trying to do in the show. That's brilliant. Um, just to end on the show, um, you know, if people want to reach out to you with regards to services, do you provide services like private readings that they can reach you? And if you do, how can they contact you to make those arrangements? Yeah. I mean, a couple things. One, I, you know, I haven't been doing my podcast too much because just there's been a lot going on. Uh, you know, sold my mom's house. You know, my stepdad died over a year ago from COVID. You know, my mom's been my cat problems with, I've had medical problems with all four of my cats and then my own medical problems. I'm having two surgeries in the next two months. So because of that, I've been really downtrodden and tired where I haven't produced a podcast. I'm going to get back to it. I'm going to interview Ryan next week for my next podcast. Um, but I have my own private practice and usually I do uh, clients on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, I work on other stuff. And uh, if you go to, if you Google Booksy, B-O-O-K-S, uh, B-O-O-K-S-Y, and it used to be GenBook, uh, but they got bought out. And so I've had a private practice. People book through GenBook and now Booksy for over 17 years. So you can read the reviews and everything else and all the different services I offer. But I'm blocked out. I'm full. And I'm also blocked out all through December. I blocked it off because I'll be having surgeries and recovering. So, so availability is not really opening up until January, February uh, for anybody that's looking to book. But you can book. And I do stuff over the phone. I do stuff over Zoom or I do face-to-face because -face I, have, I have my own office within my house that is specifically for my sessions and readings. It's my meditation room and that's where clients go in. So I'll have clients come to my house uh, or do it over the phone or over Zoom. And they can just go to Booksy. You can even type in Chris Fleming Readings, Chris Fleming Booksy, and you'll find it. Some people said there's been some difficulty putting in the phone numbers uh, when you're booking. If that's the case, just talk to their customer support. You know, you should be able to resolve it. But most people have been able to book. Right. And I'm affordable. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, charge a lot of money because I know times are tough. I should be charging two, three times more because I know some of my other colleagues do. But I just, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Um, mm. 
you know, because I know what it's like. I mean, I wouldn't want to pay, you know, money like that to somebody regardless, because I just don't have it, you know, but I understand that. So I make it affordable. And just to let you know, everyone, um, in the description on the podcast details, I have uh, a lot of Chris, uh, Chris's links to his social media um, and his website. So if you want to head over and have a look. Yeah, Chris see. Fleming Official on Instagram and Facebook. It's Chris Thank Fleming you. Official. Chris, you also yeah. do art as well. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have a degree in fine art. I got a BA. Uh, I was an art director and artist in the 90s. I worked for advertising companies. I was also a commercial artist and painter. Um, I got back into it because I needed something to take my mind off of everything else in the creative process. And I just love it. You know, I use various mixed medias. I'll do pencil, you know, ink, painting, uh, canvas. I'll do a lot of digital with Procreate, my iPad, and I even do AI. I do a mix of all these different things and allows me to produce work a lot quicker and a lot faster. Um, because as an art director, I always came up with concepts and ideas. And that's what I love about this digital age. So for me, it is, I brought it back into my life of what I used to do because I'm very passionate about it. And you can see my work, you know, and like, like right now what I'm doing is, I mean, I've got an Etsy store. If you look for Chris Fleming artwork, you'll find my Etsy store of prints and some of my originals and the prints that I sell. Um, but also I'm doing a sale right now called an orange sale that started in October and goes till November 21st. I think it is. If there's any piece of artwork I've done on my Facebook that I've posted or on my Instagram, my Chris Fleming artwork, Instagram page, and they're not a print, I will do a single print for you. We have to work out the price and the size. You just, it's the information is on there on my Facebook. You know, you just email me, do a screenshot, tell me what you want. I will get back to you in the next couple of weeks with the size and the price if you want it or not. Because then I got to, what I got to do is I got to upscale it. I've got to figure out exactly what paper we're going to put it on size. I got to do color correction just for that one piece, not for multiple prints. So that's a lot of time and effort. Got to send it to the printer. They got to print it out. I got to drive there an hour and a half to go sign everything, bring it back. I got to package it myself and ship it. So there's a lot of time that goes into it. But, you know, I love sharing my art and I know people love art. And a lot of stuff is inspired by the paranormal or stuff that I just, I feel and I sense because I love the masters. I love a lot of the famous artists because I got a degree in it. So for me, it's, it's always been a part of me. I've got drawings when I was three years old, you know, portfolio stuff. So for me, it's, it's a way to share my interest. And, and I want to thank everybody for embracing that and loving it. I, I've, I've sold so many different prints all over the world and even Higgy pop, you know, he's, he's bought some of my original art. So wow. it, it, it's, it, it's a wonderful way for all of us to connect. Not everybody's into art. That's fine. And and I've seen a lot of other amazing artists. I mean, Cindy Kaza, she's doing some of her art too. And I think it's fantastic. Fantastic. Absolutely. Well, um, you know, I just want to thank you, uh, Chris, for joining us tonight and giving us Thanks just for a, having me. a snippet of what you've done, um, you know, over the last, you know, 50 plus years that you've been in this field. It's been amazing. Yeah, I mean, people, you know, realize, yeah, I'm 56 years old, just so you know. I mean, I've been doing stuff, you know, since I was three years old, five, six years old. I mean, you look at the EVPs I was getting back in 1976, do the math, okay? And it's funny, people say, 50 years he's been doing Yeah. And I plus I published a magazine in the 90s. All my friends in grade school, even in high school, remember me doing seances and Ouija board stuff. I've been doing it my whole life. You know, you don't need a TV show to be a paranormal investigator. I'm an investigator on TV because of what I'm doing. That's why. And it, and it's just been great. And I think Nikki will second this as well, just to get a bit more of an insight of Chris behind yeah. the TV show. Yeah. You know, the stuff that you've really like the stuff you've gone through in your Look personal at, life. We 
This right here, I mean, it's it's a it's a photocopy. It's not the original script, but this is a photocopy of the Kolchak tapes, which became the movie The Night Stalker in 1972, and then the TV series in 73, 74 called Kolchak the Night Stalker with Darren McGavin. It's signed by all the actors. Okay, but it's just a photocopy. It's not the real autographs. That was my favorite show as a kid. Okay, because here I am having ghosts in my house, having all these experiences, and here's someone that's even though it's fictionalized, is going around finding monsters and entities confronting them and resolving them it was like it's the show the show scared the hell out of me but i loved the show and a lot of people in the paranormal know this show and they love it it's part of pop culture x files chris carter loved the show which is why he created x files okay so i have this because i never realized as a kid that i'd be like a real life kolchak going and tracking down these entities and these spirits okay and to me it's just like Wow, you come full circle. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, everything that I have in here, it's just all testament of stuff that I do, you know, because it's my life. You know, it's not like you go on. I mean, some people go and they go on TV, they're probably investigating off TV. You don't hear anything about it. I'm always doing it. You know, so was Ryan. So was Evelyn. You know, it's like, this is this is our life. You mean Barry Guy and Jane, that's their life. You know, that's what I love about them because this is who they really are. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. But, but it's been absolutely great. And, you know, thank you very much for sharing your personal experiences. Well, thanks well. for asking me. I appreciate um, it. It's, it'll be, you know, maybe when, you know, uh, maybe in the new year, we can arrange to have you back and we can do that. Sure. Yeah, reach out to Ryan session. too. You can have him on too. Ryan, Ryan Michaels. No, Ryan O'Neill on the Ryan show. Ryan yeah, have him do a Frank's box session for you live. He can talk about his haunted Scotland that he does and everything. And I'm going to interview him next week uh, on my podcast. Um, I've got a whole bunch of other people lined up too, but you know, maybe have him on as well and he can share with you what he does. He's doing a lot of events all over Scotland and, and stuff. And you know, he's great. I, I love him. I love him. Him and Barry, you know, they're my colleagues over there and Jane. Yeah, they're great. Um, all of them. Um, but yeah, it's been great to find out a little bit more about you. Um, Thank you. Nikki, do you want to say anything before we let Chris go? Thank you so much. Um, and Thanks me this is amazing thank you well thanks for having me guys and best of luck to you too okay i love it portal to the paranormal it's great and you got that little bit of like a little bit of outer limits and twilight zone design in the background good job and you got the two crosses right mm. there too <laughs> there was something like damien omen too like they had the cross in one of the movie but uh it's very cool nice job in the green lime green color i used to design logos too so i think it's pretty cool thank you you're welcome. You guys take care of yourself. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks so much, Chris. Uh, All right. Bye-bye. So I, I think we're losing signal a little bit, but um, I just want to thank everyone for joining. Um, it's been an absolutely great show. Um, but, yeah, thank you, everyone, for joining, and we will be back soon. But for now, I'll let everyone go. Take care. Bye.